Parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. The best athletes don't just play the game, they change it. When it comes to investing, GameBridge is doing the same. Their online platform does things differently because it's designed to put you in charge of growing your own savings. It's intuitive, it's easy, and best of all, it's on your terms. No wonder GameBridge has earned the trust of 40% repeat customers. It's a better way to invest because it's investing your way. Get started today with as little as $1,000 at GameBridge.io. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. Winter is coming. Heavy rain, sleet, snow, and ice. Are your tires up for the challenge? Tread confidently in winter's worst with a set of new tires from Tire Rack. They sell only the best, like the full line of Yokohama tires. Go to TireRack.com sports. Tell them what you drive. Your tires will ship fast and free to you or one of over 10,000 recommended installers. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. You're listening to Fox Sports Radio. Welcome in to the Fox Sports Radio studios. They're brought to you by GEICO. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit GEICO.com for a free rate quote. Clay Travis is in Knoxville. He spoke at uh, University of Tennessee yesterday afternoon. If you missed that on Periscope or Facebook, you can go back. Actually, follow him on Twitter at Clay Travis. You can find it there. This is indeed Outkick the Coverage. I'm Jason Martin, executive producer of the program. Clay will be with us live from Knoxville here in just a few minutes. We're going to have Lance Taylor from Jocks down in Birmingham. He'll join us in the next segment. Always a fun one, so you want to stick around for that. Also coming up later in the show, Charles Davis. He's up at the Combine. We'll get uh, some of the skinny on what he's seen down there. And our friend Casey Smith, who just took a brand new job up in Boston. Congratulations to her. We'll catch up with her in the final hour of the program, so you want to stick around for that. The Golden State Warriors had gone 146 games without losing back-to-back. If you really stop and think about just how impressive that is, it, it's almost it's almost unquantifiable. I heard Ben Maller say uh, about 30 minutes ago, and I think this is a stat that's been passed around a lot during the evening, that there were there were almost 550 instances of back-to-back losses in the league over that span. None of them, of course, belonging to the Golden State Warriors. So that brings up the obvious question. Can they win without Kevin Durant? Not win, but can they win the West? And certainly, can they beat the Cavs or, you know, by... If hell freezes over, maybe the Celtics somehow sneak in there. But can they win the NBA championship without Kevin Durant? They lose last night to the Chicago Bulls, and that's not a great Chicago Bulls team. Of course, 
you get up for the TNTs when you got Marv Albert sitting on the sidelines. Maybe you're a little bit more geeked, and there are some stars on that team, and they came to play. But once again, Steph Curry and Klay Thompson, who have not played well at all as of late, struggled to shoot the ball from deep. And because of the makeup of the Golden State Warriors, when you get into a situation where they aren't making shots from the outside, they're not going to win a whole lot of basketball games. And that's what we saw. We did not get the Steph Curry we needed down the stretch last night. We did not get the Clay Thompson that we needed down the stretch last night. And it brings back the conversation with Kevin Durant out. Kevin Durant was leading the Golden State Warriors in five different offensive categories. He is the best player on that team. There are people that will disagree with me, but I'll tell you right now, he was the leading scorer on the team, and although his plus-minus when he's on and off the floor, the other three Warriors were more valuable, what Kevin Durant was doing was truly changing the way that the Warriors were able to space the floor. The problem with Kevin Durant going out is you don't have Harrison Barnes out there anymore. Not even looking down in the paint at Andrew Bogut and some of those guys. But if you look at Harrison Barnes and what he's able to do at 6'8", with his length, with his arms, what he can do defensively, which he's somewhat underrated at, and then certainly what he can do as a knockdown shooter, somebody that can get to the rack from time to time, you're not going to get that from Matt Barnes. You're not going to be able to replace that. So when you lost Durant, you lost a swing position. You you lost a lot of scoring, but you lost something that, that really helped them last year when you look at the way that that team was made up. So Kevin Durant goes out and they lose back-to-back games. They lose to the Wizards. They lose to the Bulls. Both the games are close, but they're unable to make the shots that they need to down the stretch. If I had an MVP vote right now, and this is something that I'm not sure enough people are paying attention to, Steph Curry, a back-to-back MVP winner, everybody loves Steph Curry. Steph Curry is nowhere near an MVP this year. He's still a great basketball player. But if you look at the top five players in the NBA right now as it pertains to who potentially could be the MVP, you're looking at James Harden, you're looking at Russell Westbrook, you're looking at LeBron, you're looking at Isaiah Thomas, and I think you're looking at Kawhi Leonard before you even think about Steph Curry. And maybe Kevin Durant probably right around that range as well. But that's outside the top five, and this guy was the bell of the ball for the last two years in the NBA Everybody just knew that Steph Curry was going to revolutionize basketball and change it. Well, what we've seen is, as the pressure has mounted, we've seen some struggles. In the NBA Finals last year, after they win 73 games, when they lose Draymond Green for a game, everything changes. We don't know if Curry's ankle was bothering him all the way through that final series, but he's unable to do what he needed to do. He wasn't terrible, but he wasn't great. And LeBron even was able to lock him down. And some of his defense, in terms of the deficiencies out there, were exposed. So that was a problem. And then, Klay Thompson was sort of hot and cold. When he was on, they were unbeatable. But when he wasn't, boy, were they potentially fallible on the basketball court. This year, Steph Curry is an all-star player, but he's not in the MVP conversation. And you kind of expected that when Kevin Durant came in because all the shots that they took, there's only one basketball and there's still 48 minutes last time I checked on an NBA clock. So you have to move the ball around and Durant was the most consistent guy. He's the one that changed the game for the Golden State Warriors, which is why the other day on this very program, Outkick the Coverage here on Fox Sports Radio, I said, 
I don't think that the Golden State Warriors without Kevin Durant would win the NBA Finals, and I question whether whether or not they would get out of the West. So did Robert out in L.A. It's, it's, it's not that easy. The Rockets can score with these guys. They can make the threes that the Golden State Warriors can. And right now, the Golden State Warriors aren't even making those shots. And that's a huge, huge problem. I think the Clippers could give the Warriors some trouble. I certainly think that the San Antonio Spurs, who seem to be flying underneath the radar despite the fact that they're knocking on the doorstep of the number one seed, and of course last night assisted them, and down the stretch for the Warriors, if you look at the end of the regular season, they've got the Rockets twice in like five days, they've got the Spurs twice, they've got to go to Oklahoma City, and my Thunder are certainly a lot better with uh, Dougie Buckets and Taj Gibson on the floor. I don't, th- I don't think that they will necessarily beat the Warriors but it's not the easiest schedule, especially in the last 10 games. So I'm not so sure that the Warriors are going to finish with a number one seed. I'm not saying this is code red. I'm not suggesting that the sky is falling out in the Bay Area. I'm suggesting that it's time to look back and just kind of sit back and pause and think for a little bit about what this team has and what it doesn't have. Andre Iguodala came off the bench last night, and when he did, the Warriors kind of settled down and started to play better ball. But when you look at Steph Curry going 11 for 64 in his last three games shooting threes, first, that's way too many threes. But he's got to get it together. And you look at the pressure of the NBA Finals and how he sort of fell in the latter moments of that series. And this year, even though they won 73 games last year, I would indicate and I would tell you that I would say that Golden State's under more pressure now than they were last season. You add an MVP player, a multiple-time NBA scoring champion in his prime to to your team that already has three All-Stars on it, you're expected to win. And when Kevin Durant drops out, what falls on the head mentally of a basketball player that's already really good but's kind of been able to hide a little bit because there's so much talent on that team? All of a sudden, you got to make those shots now because there's no Kevin Durant out there to do it. And Matt Barnes is damn sure not going behind the arc to drop down threes. Klay Thompson and Steph Curry have to be not perfect, but they've got to be the Splash Brothers. And I think dating back to the All-Star game where we saw Steph go 0 for 8 trying to get Craig Sager $500,000 and Klay Thompson not being able to get out of the three-point first round, I thought Steph didn't do the three-point just so Klay could win it again. It's been a problem. I still think the Warriors are going to be fine, and Kevin Durant's going to get back, and everything probably falls back into place. But it's an issue, guys. Guys out in L.A., we've got Robert and Danny G. out there. Again, we'll have Clay Travis live from Knoxville here momentarily. Lance Taylor coming up on the other side, radio host down in Birmingham. What do you think of all this, guys? When you think about Kevin Durant going out and the way Golden State is shooting right now, does it at least give you pause, or do you think – it's one basketball game. They're going to be okay. Oh, no, it has to give you pause. I mean, when you think about the Golden State Warriors, you know, a lot of people said that when Kevin Durant went down, oh, well, no big deal. This is just the same 73-win team from last year. And that could not be further from the truth. They had such a deep team last year, and they had great chemistry. And so, you know, a lot of situations where you have a team like that that runs a great system, that has a lot of guys who've played together, you see that the – the sum is almost greater than their parts. Not to say they didn't have good parts, but, you know, the bench was deep and they all knew each other. They all had a defined role. And now you have guys that 
didn't necessarily get so many minutes last year that that are they're not Leandro Barbosa. You know, he may not be a great player, but he had a good role on that team. He he had a purpose. Harrison Barnes, for all his failures in the postseason, he had a role that he was good at. He executed. And then more specifically to your Steph Curry point, you know, the thing about Steph for the last two years before uh, this past season when Durant showed up in uh, Golden State is he was a bad shot taker, but he was a bad shot maker. Mm-hmm. He would he would throw up these 35-footers with a guy draped on his left shoulder, and because it would go in and he'd go on these little flurries that were, you know, what I like to say is uh, as a Laker fan, it reminded me of Kobe back in 2006, where it didn't matter what was going on around him, he'd chuck it up from anywhere, and it would go in and he'd make, you know, 15, 16 points in a row, and next, you know, a, a five-point lead, a 20-point lead, and, you know, the game's out of reach. And what we've seen going back to last year's you know, mostly around the playoffs when he got hurt, kind of dinged his knee up a little bit back in the postseason, is he wasn't making those shots. And I don't know if it's now that, you know, with Kevin Durant back in the fold or in the fold here in Golden State and and him having a different role, I guess, than he da- had the previous two seasons, we haven't seen that Steph Curry. We haven't seen Steph go on those, you know, those those bursts like he did the, la- the previous two seasons. And so now with Kevin Durant going down, the pressure goes back on Steph to make those plays, and and he hasn't done it all season. So I don't know why anyone would be surprised that you know the Warriors are not the Warriors that we come to expect. They're still one of the better teams in the NBA, like you said. There's there's no that the sky is falling up in uh, Golden State, but the fact remains is it's a different team. You're right. It it absolutely is, and I think this makes me feel so much more confident in my pick that I made preseason that the Cavaliers were going to win another championship. What they did, the additions that they've made, even dating back to Derek Williams, who LeBron James has turned into, I mean, we've seen Derek Williams not be able to do anything almost anywhere else, and all of a sudden he's a good basketball player again. Darren Williams, even though he missed a three that would have potentially won the game a couple of days ago, Darren Williams, another good addition, and Andrew Bogut knows the Golden State Warriors, and he wants to beat them. I think that, that that's certainly something to look at, but the Warriors situation, we'll continue to talk about it as we move throughout the program. Steph Curry had irrational confidence as a shooter, as hot as anybody's ever been over the last few years, making stuff nobody should be able to make. That shot he made against the Thunder last season on a Saturday night where he basically just got past half court, let it go, and as soon as he let it go, I said, that's in, we've lost, and that's exactly what happened. That's absurd that we would even think that. And then when he goes out, this is instructive, I think. When we watched All-Star Saturday night and Steph Curry was trying to make that half court shot and he was interviewed beforehand, they said, how many shots do you need to make this? He said, hopefully one, but if you wouldn't mind, give me three. Three shots to make it from half court standing there, and I think they were Timberlands and skinny jeans, and he missed eight in a row. He had the confidence to make it, but right now he's just a little bit off. Outkick the Coverage brought to you by True Car. With True Car, you can find out what other people in your area paid for the same car you're looking for and on average save over $3,000 off MSRP. Whether you're looking for a newer used car, visit True Car to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Up next, Clay Travis live from Knoxville. Lance Taylor from JOX will be our guest on Outkick the Coverage here on Fox Sports Radio. Live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios. What does it mean when Geico says just 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance? It means you probably should have gone to geico.com 15 minutes ago. Every Friday, 
first hour, one of my good buddies, Lance Taylor, at the Lance Taylor from Jocks down in Birmingham, joins us. He joins us now. LT, what's up, my man? Clay, good to be aboard. Hope you're good. How many of the Oscar films had you actually seen? I think I had seen four. Um, oh, that's pretty good. Yeah, uh, Hell or High Water, um, Moonlight, oh, Hacksaw Ridge, and Manchester by the Sea. Which one of those four did you like the best? Manchester by the Sea, complete train wreck, though. Moonlight was overrated, in my opinion. Great individual story, um, but, you know, I just, I just didn't get it for best picture. There have been best pictures in the past, though. I thought Crash was a really good film. I didn't think it deserved Best Picture. English Patient, very average, one Best Picture. So this does happen. Shakespeare in Love beat out Saving Private Ryan. You tell me what happened there. Um, you know, it, it does happen year to year. I, I'll tell you this. I've got a feeling, and I've been trying to see it for weeks, and it just something always conflicts me, but I want to see Lion, and I think Lion is going to be my favorite film. I don't know why, but it just seems like a picture that has everything. Um, that is, uh, that is interesting. All right. So we're talking to Lance Taylor. What do you think it felt like for the Price Waterhouse Cooper guys when they realized that they had given the wrong envelope? Put that in the perspective. Like if that were sports, what would be the sports equivalent of that situation? I was trying to think about it and it's not like some people immediately would say, oh, it's like when, uh, when, uh, Pete Carroll decided to pass and Russell Wilson threw the interception in the Super Bowl. Uh, it's like when the, somebody said it was a pretty funny tweet I saw that all La La Land had to do was run the football, uh, which is pretty funny as a reference to, obviously, the Atlanta Falcons collapse. I can't even think of how – that is such an egregious error. It's hard for me to even conceptualize. Obviously, the Steve Harvey messing up Miss Universe analogy. But in sports, can you think of a, of, of a mistake that big in sports? I can in sports. I mean, the only thing I can equate it to is a guy that's cheating on his wife and he's drunk at night and he sends a text to his wife that was meant for the uh, the mistress or girlfriend. Oh, that's a big that's yeah. a big swing and miss. And you know what? I yeah. guarantee there's a lot of people listening to us right now that have actually done that. Yeah, and it just and after you send it, you're like, oh my god, what have I done? Because you can't call back no, the text. There, there is no getting that back. Do you think we'll ever have a feature on on, on a phone? I mean, technology is so great that you can immediately delete what you've text from your side I, you know it's funny i've accidentally texted people before and but i've never been in a situation where i've sent a text you know sometimes you might be talking about somebody you know what i do all the time is i will um my mom is in my phone as mom but i got three kids and they obviously refer to my wife as mom and so a lot of times i'll say and i i, I can't be the only person who's this dumb but i'll say well let me call your mom and see what she says about that and then instead of calling their mom, I call my mom. You ever do that? You ever make that mistake where, like, you're. No, no, am I the only person who does this? It seems like a logical mistake, though. You're thinking mom, and you just scroll into your phone. You're trying to do, you know, like four or five other things. And then I go to my mom, and I guarantee you, I've called her probably a couple of times a year at least. I will call my mom, intending to call my wife. I, I told you one of the biggest mistakes I made, and there's a feature on the iPhone, and there's probably a lot of, uh, you know, technical savvy people out there unlike me, they know how to use this feature because I don't even know how to use it. But I've told you the story before, and I'm not going to tell who it is because 99% of your listeners would know who it was. But I pushed that audio feature, which records you, and I was saying something bad about 
somebody in our industry, and it said it to her. You remember me telling you this story? Oh, yeah, I do remember you telling me this story. And, 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 and I have no idea. So it, it's one thing that I wouldn't even know how to record it, but then to actually send it, which I've never done that in my life. Uh, that's just like bad karma. That is, uh, that is fantastic. But, but, but that felt like my La La Land moment. Where I, and again, I can't even think of it as sports. People might be able to think of it from sports at Clay Travis uh, on Twitter. You can hop on there and let me know. Um, okay, so the combine is going on right now. I had Jeff Schwartz on uh, Wednesday. We have Jeff Schwartz, former NFL offensive lineman. You could probably have him on your show. He's awesome, really good dude. And we talked about how everything would change at the combine if they measured the penis. They measure every single body part at the combine, the NFL combine going on right now, except for the penis. How would things change if they measured the penis as well at the combine in your mind? More attention uh, or less attention? I think probably more. You would definitely have, I mean, I would think that the demographic, demographical breakdown right now is probably 95% male. So yes. I think you would skew a higher percentage of female. You probably would get to a 70-30 cut automatically right there. So you could bring in some some interesting advertisers that, you know, some other markets you probably haven't been able to how many, to before. How, contra- how many men would not go to the – like, so now people drop out of the combine. Oh, yeah. People drop out of the combine because they're like, I don't need to go throw. You know, like, there's always quarterbacks who, if they're convinced, their first-round potential. How many men – would not get measured at the combine just because they're like, I don't want people to know my penis. And the flip side is, like, if you're Steve McNair, you're like, all the event I want to do is combine penis measuring because I'm going to win this. Yeah. I'm going to be the greatest penis in the history of the NFL. Yeah, I was going to say McNair would have gone, I mean, he already went in the first round, <laughs> but he would have gone number one overall. <laughs> they would have measured back in the day. Um, and what was his nickname? Was it Cinnamon Roll or Cinnamon Bun? C- Cinnabon. They called Steve McNair Cinnabon in the locker room because, and this is, I, I, I'm assuming we can, I don't even know if we can say this. Be, but care, be I, real careful. We're treading the line. All right. So they called him Cinnabon because he had to roll himself up and he looked like a Cinnabon when he would go play football. Like he had to roll his, uh, his, his penis up like it was a cinnamon roll in order, yeah, to, fit, in order to fit in pants. I'm good with somewhat. I think I would rather be below average than be Cinnabon, to be honest with you. I mean, how uncomfortable does that have to be? I, I would like to take my. Ch- I'd like to find out for a month or a year. Uh, <laughs> just, just, just I'll give it a shot. I'm going to say I, I don't think it would be awful to have a gigantic penis. Just going to toss it out there. And uh, by the way, this is also a great story since we're talking about this. That uh, you know this, you know this guy as well. And I'm not going to, I'm not going to throw him under the bus. But everybody who I talk to that played on those Tennessee Titan teams, if you get a couple of beers in them and you're like, okay, what was it like when Kevin Dyson almost scored that touchdown? What was it like being on the Music City Miracle? Every single guy on that team, if you get a couple of beers in them and you say, all right, tell me about Steve McNair's penis, their eyes just light up. and they're, <laughs> It's like they're talking about having seen a UFO. Uh, there are several different like uh, great stories about it, but I'll tell this one because I think I can tell it. Um, one of the former players said uh, the first year they drafted him, first year they drafted him, uh, everybody's in the showers. It's first like mini camp or whatever it is. And one of the guys comes out and he walks over to one of his teammates and he says, and this is a direct quote, I'm not gay, but you got to go into the shower right now and see this guy's penis. 
And <laughs> that is just such an amazing story. They said that he would wash his penis with like a like a, like an elephant trunk. Like he had like a brush, and he had to pull <laughs> had to pull it out to wash it as a body part. So anyway, God rest Steve yeah, McNair's soul. Yeah, God yeah. rest Steve McNair's soul. I should say. Separate towels when he got out of the showers. The eighth wonder of the world. He was the eighth wonder of the world, Steve McNair. Uh, so. Talking about uh, talking about that situation on the combine, how much attention do you pay to combine measurements? Because I actually love it. I love the forty yard dash times. I, I, I love seeing what uh, what these guys height and weight, everything else. Like I'm obsessed with the combine, and partly that's because I trained for it, and so I kind of have a good sense for everything that's involved with it. But I just think it's uh, it's incredible, riveting television to see how much money these guys have on the line with their performances in Indianapolis. Yeah, and I agree with you. I, I think there's a lot on the line, and, and I love how, you know, when guys have ridiculous measurables, and we always think about a guy like Mike Mamula, um, how they can go from a guy that probably would be a third-day guy to a guy that goes in the first round. So a lot of GMs will get taken uh, by some of these measurables. But, but I'm, and, and I wonder if it's just because the time of year, it, it's typically February now, early March, uh, it's before the NCAA tournament, and we're just laying on the couch, and we want something to watch, and it is a bridge. It is something that, that just bridges from now until the NCAA tournament. But I, I'm one of those that I watch the 40 times, Clay, and, and I try to. I've gotten really good at this. I can almost tell you exactly what somebody runs a 40 in. Just by watching it. Just by watching it. It's just one of those things. But, yeah, I love seeing, um, you know, four, four, the 40 times is probably the most intriguing one to me. Uh, the 225 is nice. Um, I don't know if I'd watch the penis size again. I think it would crack. I just think it would be incredible because they come out like total pieces of meat. You're standing there basically in your underwear, and everybody's like, you have this huge room of dudes. It's all dudes. And they're like, they have notepads, and they're like, I don't know what they write on the notepad, right? Like, but you inevitably, I've been there to cover it as the media. And they'll be like, okay, uh, I don't know who's coming out this year. Deshaun Watson. And Deshaun Watson walks out basically with no clothes on and stands there on the stage, and they give him a height and weight. And you have all these guys out there. They pass out the numbers on what their height and weight are, and it doesn't take that much time to write down height and weight. You know, Deshaun Watson's going to be, I'm guessing, six foot three and a half, 235 pounds, something like that, right? I, whatever it is, it's not going to be earth-shattering in his height and weight. You have a decent so- sense for the guy being tall and for the guy being, like, a good shape. But these guys, like, I remember when I was there, all these scouts, they have these notepads, and they're writing so many words. And I'm like, what are they writing, like, that's so descriptive about these guys' bodies that they're not going to get – that they pass out the information on the height and weight – so I would love to see what those number, what they're writing. Like, what what are they writing so aggressively in their notepads when these guys come out in their underwear? And by the way, are you ready to stick with us for another segment? Yeah, absolutely. All right, I'll come back to you uh, in a moment here. We're talking to Lance Taylor at the Lance Taylor on Twitter. You can find him there. In the meantime, what ads? Did I do my ads already? I did my ads already. Let's go ahead and find out what's trending now. Welcome back to the Fox Sports Radio Studios, brought to you by GEICO. It's easy to save 15% or more on car insurance with GEICO. Go to GEICO.com or call 800-947-AUTO. The only hard part, figuring out which way is easier. Let me go ahead and get this one as well. Safe stopping starts with Duralast brakes. They're proven tough and the official brakes of NASCAR sold only at AutoZone. Get in the zone, AutoZone. We're talking with Lance Taylor. We're talking about the NFL Combine. You said you had a question for me. Yeah, well, I just wanted to bring up, because I know you're, you're kind of fascinated by the Wonderlake test as well, and I know it's not... Uh, for public consumption, although we always get these Wonderlic scores, 
how awesome would it be? Because, I mean, the reason they test this is they want to see what guys, well, they want to see the intellect, but they also want to see what guys are able to do under pressure because you're, you're under the clock and it's such a limited time that you have to answer these questions. Would you love if it was live and verbal? Oh, oh. That would be incredible. I would love to see Wonderlick story. Uh, yes, because first of all, everybody talks about cheating in major college athletics, and this is my position on it pretty sim- pretty simply. The Wonderlick score proves beyond a shadow of a doubt that every major school in America is cheating their asses off when it comes to keeping guys eligible because every year, every year they bring people in who have been eligible for four years at big SEC, ACC, Big Ten, Pac-12, Big 12 schools, and guys test in the single digits on the Wonderlick. Now, the Wonderlick, for those of you who don't know, on single-digit testing, it means that you're borderline illiterate. So if you have managed to stay eligible for four years of college, and you managed to take the SAT or the ACT and get admitted, and you manage to graduate from high school, and you are borderline illiterate, which a bunch of dudes are every year, which is why they stopped, by the way, publishing these scores. I just find it to be unbelievable in terms of its direct knowledge that teams, the schools are cheating because there's no way you can test subliterate and have stayed eligible in a college for four years without cheating going on. Can well, you- I'll, give you, I'll give you an example. Okay, so you know, guys that score 20... I think that equates to a 100 um, as it's far the most, as an IQ. It's 100% true. A 20 is yeah. of average intelligence. You're the most yeah. average intelligence. It means 50% of people are smarter than you, 50% of people are dumber than you. Okay, so to put this in perspective, Texas is a really good school, right? Yes. Vince Young scored a 10, right? Six. First time Vince okay. Young took it, he got a six. Okay, so he gets a six. Um, I think Purdue is, is a pretty good academic school in the Big Ten, right? 100%. Uh, Jeff George was playing for Purdue for a while. He scored a 10. <laughs> I mean, again, that, that's right. Now, some of these guys will say, I just didn't give a damn. Like, I didn't care. And if you don't know what the Wonderlick test is, we talked about this with Jeff Schwartz on Wednesday. You can go back and listen to the show. Uh, and by the way, we talked about this with Benjamin Watson, who we had on from Radio Row in the Super Bowl. And Benjamin Watson, I believe, got a 48. It was 48. The yep. third highest score in the history of the combine. I think one pit, one punter. From Harvard, yeah, that McAnally. Yeah, he got a fifty, right? I, I think he got a yeah. perfect score on the Wonderland. I, I think Ryan Fitzpatrick got a forty-eight too. I think. Okay, Ryan Fitz- and Watson. Those are the three guys that have scored the highest. And basically, for those of you who don't know, it's just a twelve-minute test. It's a twelve-minute test. There are fifty questions, and you answer as many of them as you can correctly in a fifth, in a twelve minutes. And the reason they use it is it's a rough approximation of intelligence. I'm not saying that if you go out and get a 50, it means that you're a genius, and if you get a 6, it means that you're an idiot, but it probably means that, right? Like, if most people are going to be in the 20s, uh, you know, they're not going to stand out one way or the other, but there are a lot of guys that come in and just bomb it. Vince Young is a great example, a 6. Vince Young got a 6, and you're like, oh my God, how is this possible? And then you watch Vince Young play, and you're like, okay, I can kind of see. He looks like the kind of guy who might score a 6 on the Wonderlick. You know, it, here's the thing. I don't mind if my defensive tackle gets a six. I do have a problem if my quarterback's got a six. A hundred percent. I think it's a pass-fail test. You want to, Your quarterback needs to be, in order, I think, to be a successful quarterback in the NFL, you need to be at least of average intelligence when it comes to a test like this because you have to now, process now we information. Play, and I typically would agree with you, but I was amazed when I saw Dan Marino and Jim Kelly both 14s. I, yes, I saw that too. 
I would say, first of all, that is uh, a really, really bad score. Secondly, and I know those guys are great, I wonder how they would do in a modern NFL offense. I still think they'd be really good, but the NFL offenses have gotten a lot more complicated now than they were in, like, 1982. You would agree, right? Yeah, 100%. And so I do think that factors in a little bit that it's gotten more complicated. Again, to me, it's pass-fail. Like, Jake Locker, I remember this specifically, Jake Locker, the year that he came out, had the lowest Wonderlick score of any quarterback. He got a 20. And nobody talked about it. But when I watched Jake Locker play quarterback, it looked to me like he processed information very slowly. He looked like a guy who was going to score a 20. Now, maybe for some of these guys, they don't even think. You know, it's possible that Dan Marino's just out there with such a cannon (laughs) that he's just back there, drops back to pass, gun it, right? Like, there's always guys you make fun of that are like, I'm going to go deep. I don't know what Chad Kelly's going to score on the Wonderlick, but I guarantee you that when he goes into an NFL camp, he's throwing it deep, right? Like, he's dropping back, and he's going to throw it as far as he can. There's always those guys, too. And I do think that sometimes, Brett Favre's a great example, that gunslinger mentality, if you have a big enough arm, will sometimes save you because you're just like, screw it. I don't know what defense I'm in. I just see open guys, and I just get the ball to them, right? I, I think Brett Favre would probably say that to a certain extent. I'm not saying that he didn't break down film like Peyton Manning, but I think Brett Favre like drops back, and he's like, see guy, throw ball, right? I, I don't think that he's like overthinking the mechanics of being a quarterback. Yeah, I would agree. Do you think if we did it live, it was verbal, how much worse would the scores be? Well, some guys might do better verbally because there's a lot of people who speak better than they do read, right? And so that would factor in, and that's why I think they want you on the whiteboard when you're doing your analysis of who's going to be a quarterback, like the Gruden quarterback camps. You want guys in front of the whiteboard to be able to actually diagram what they're seeing and show you their plays, Um, and, uh, and I do think that matters. I think that if you had a live Wonderlick test and you could see as they were answering questions, you could see the question and their answer. I think it would be blockbuster television. I mean, just think about it. just think about that. You know how you could see the cards on uh, on uh, poker, and before they could show you the cards, nobody watched poker, right? Everybody, they were like, poker doesn't work on television because you're just sitting there and one guy's got a stack of cards and another guy's got a stack of cards and you're like, I don't know what they have, and you have to try to keep hand keep your ideas of what the hands are, and then they got that camera that could show you the cards, and when they go down the river on poker, they're saying, okay, he needs this, and you know exactly what they have in their hand, and it revolutionized the game because you'd watch it on television. I'm telling you right now, if they had Wonderlick tests live on television, and while a guy's sitting there, like when Vince Young was scoring a six, and you were seeing the questions that he was getting, like what is the ninth month of the year? Because that's the kind of question they'll ask. And Vince Young is like, November? You'd be like, I'm not. like I don't know if he would have gotten drafted. If they put that Wonderlick score live on television, you'd be like, oh my God, there's okay. no way we can give this guy $50 million. If you package that with all 330, I think, are the number of participants this year, maybe a little bit more. If you did that and, and all of those guys have to go lie detector three questions, they can ask oh. eight, three questions. Oh my God, that would be unbelievable. Uh, yeah, I mean, that would be incredible television. If you did lie detector NFL team interviews, so if you combined it with live Wonderlick tests and the penis measuring and, and you did the three lie detector questions and you had all the teams get to ask three lie de- – oh, my God. 
I mean, are you telling yeah, me? Would you ask? Would you ask Chad Kelly? I mean, I know he's not there. Would you ask him if he really ever had sex with that porn star that he reached out to multiple times? <laughs> I think she shot him down. I would. Well, yeah, I think you have to go yes, no on the uh, yeah. I, I don't. That wouldn't be one I would ask Chad Kelly. I'd be like, Chad Kelly, have you ever had sex with four or more women simultaneously? <laughs> what do you think the answer is? Yes. I think if you go to Ole Miss and you're the starting quarterback and you don't have sex with four women at the same time, you're that. That's the reason why. Like, I wouldn't want to be. I think it would be cool to be a quarterback in an SEC school. I think it'd be really fun. I think it would be more fun to be a like if you had to ask the question, would you rather at a major football crazy school, would you rather be the quarterback on the field or the quarterback off the field? I think I would rather be the quarterback off the field, just in terms of sheer fun. I'm sure it's great if you go to Alabama to be the quarterback when you beat Auburn on the field. I think it's much better to be the quarterback at Alabama when you beat Auburn off the field, right? Like if you, in terms of sheer fun, wouldn't you agree with that? Oh yeah, I mean, I mean, look at what AJ McCarron ended up with. I mean, just imagine what kind of damage he could have done or did do. Yeah, no, there's no doubt. So I would rather be the quarterback off the field than I would. And I'm not saying, look, I love college football, but when. You know, when Jacob Eason threw that touchdown pass and it looked like Georgia was going to beat Tennessee with 10 seconds left, my first thought was, I think Jacob Eason's going to have a groin injury. Like, he's going to have so much sex that he's not going to be able to walk come Monday. <laughs> that was my literally my first uh, My first thought was, I lost so much money on this play. My second thought was, I can't believe Tennessee's lost this game. My third thought was, Jacob Eason's tearing his groin this weekend celebrating this victory. <laughs> uh, all right, LT, I appreciate the time. Play. I'll talk to you soon, man. All Be right. Good. That is Lance Taylor at the Lance Taylor on Twitter. Have we done all the ads? I think we did all the ads already. We'll be back if the FCC doesn't cancel us. I'm Clay Travis. This is Outkick the Coverage on Fox Sports Radio. Live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios. What does it mean when Geico says just 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance? It means you probably should have gone to geico.com 15 minutes ago. I am Clay Travis. Thank you for spending your Friday morning. The weekend moves closer and closer. Next hour, we will talk with Charles Davis. He was at the NFL Combine. He's one of Fox's NFL announcers. We'll talk about what he expects to see from the Combine. Does he think Joe Mixon should be in the Combine? Final hour, we will talk with Casey Smith at K-A-Y-C-E Smith. She has just taken a job in Boston. She will be on with us live to talk about her usual frivolity. I want to say thanks to everybody who might be listening. I'm in Knoxville today, Knoxville, Tennessee, where the University of Tennessee is. And we had 500 or so college kids show up for my talk yesterday. And I think a lot of you might really enjoy it. It's up on my Twitter feed, uh, at Clay Travis on Twitter. You can go see the video of the talk that I gave to the college kids yesterday. And it's always good to get out and actually see the people who are listening uh, and consuming the content that we do here. I've got the website Outkick the Coverage. I've got the Daily Show on Periscope and Facebook. And then topping it all off uh, to have, uh, obviously, this show every morning. To have all those kids show up, uh, you know, 18 to 22-year-old college kids who are just obsessed with what we're doing in a good way. And uh, and get to get out and, and actually see you guys, people who are listening to the show, people who are interacting with our content on a day-to-day basis. It was just awesome. So thank you to the University of Tennessee. Thank you to everybody who showed up. I know they announced a new athletic director at Tennessee, John Curry. They had an open press conference and fan availability for him. They had 75 people show up counting the media to watch that event that was going on at the same time 
we had 500 people show up on the University of Tennessee's campus to see me speak. And that's a testament a lot to the quality of the work that Jason Martin and Danny G and Robert and, and we do at OutKick in general. It's also a testament to you guys because the number one way we grow, it's kind of a fascinating story. Uh, several years ago, I went back and I read and I said, how does somebody go from being a no-name to a huge rock star? How does that happen? And people had different theories. And then they had one that actually panned out to be true. And this is, I think, instructive no matter what you do for a living if you're trying to build an audience. The answer is you find diehards, people who absolutely love your songs, and you give them more of what they love. And then they become your evangelists, and that's how you grow your audience. You don't grow your audience by trying to be everything for everybody. You grow your audience by finding people who like what you do and giving them even more of what they like of what you do. And so that's what I've tried to model my career on. And that's how we've gotten as big as we have. It's because of you guys. If you like what I'm doing, you tell people. And that's you're the evangelist. That's how we're growing. And that's why we're the most dominant morning sports talk show in the country. That's why we're up to 20,000% in overall uh, listenership since we started last year. So thanks to you guys. Thanks to the University of Tennessee. Second hour coming back. I'm about to murder Colin Kaepernick. Get your popcorn. You're going to love this on Outkick the Coverage on Fox Sports Radio. Welcome back. Fox Sports Radio Studios brought to you by GEICO. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit GEICO.com for a free rate quote. And I'm going to go ahead and tell you guys all about TrueCar. This show brought to you by TrueCar. With TrueCar, you can find out what other people in your area paid for the same car you're looking for. And on average, save over three grand off MSRP. Whether you're looking for a new or used car, visit TrueCar to enjoy a more confident car buying experience you guys know that i am no great fan of colin kaepernick i ridiculed to the high heavens his decision to go down to a knee to protest police violence before nfl football games i wrote about it i've talked about it a ton on this show i'm going to give you a quick recap of why i thought colin kaepernick's protest made zero sense first of all he was protesting something that was already happening when you protest the national anthem and refuse to stand for it before the game, like he was doing, you are essentially calling into question the decision-making of the United States federal government. The United States federal government, at the time that Colin Kaepernick began his protest, was helmed by a black man, Barack Obama, and was helmed by a female black woman who was the head of the Department of Justice, Loretta Lynch. Okay. What Colin Kaepernick wanted the federal government to do was to make sure that black lives mattered. What he wanted the federal government to do was to investigate anytime there was a police shooting. Now, let's start here. The fact that there aren't very many police shootings, despite the fact that a lot of people on the Internet make a living trying to make you believe that you're in danger from police. Last year, I believe the number is 46 unarmed people were shot and killed by police. Putting that into context, the majority of them were white and Hispanic. Majority of them were white, though. I think it was 21 white people, 17 black people. A little over one a month. Unarmed does not mean without danger. You can be punching or kicking a police officer. I am so far pro-cops on this story that it blows my mind that anybody could be on the opposite side because they're idiots and they don't understand what police are put through every single day. Right now, all over the country, we have police driving around in their car listening to this show. Thank you a billion times. Thank you. No one protects black lives, Hispanic lives, Asian lives, white lives more than you guys do and girls do. Thank you for what you do every day. 
You don't get told that enough. You're going to hear it from me. You're not going to hear it from Colin Kaepernick because he's an idiot who wore pig socks to ridicule police before he decided to take a knee. So Colin Kaepernick is protesting something that doesn't happen very often. Put it into context. Do you know how many unarmed people bees, wasps, and hornets kill every year on average? 56. So in this country today, no matter what your race is, you are more likely to get out of bed and go outside and get killed by a bee, a wasp, or a hornet if you are unarmed than you are to be killed by police. If you are not waking up this morning terrified that you are in danger of bees, wasps, and hornets, then the idea that you are in danger from the police is a media figment propagated by idiots like Colin Kaepernick, who most in the media were afraid to call out for being an idiot because they were afraid of being called racist. That's a simple truth. White people who are in sports media and media in general live in fear more than anything else of being called racist. I don't care. I don't care what you call me. Go look at my mentions every day. I powered through that arena a long time ago. We'll open the phone lines up and you can call me whatever the hell you want. You listen to this show, you know that. I just don't care. My agenda is to be as honest as I possibly can be with you. And I'm going to be honest with you when I say this. Colin Kaepernick's protest was a total piece of crap. Because what he was protesting and asking the federal government to do, the federal government was already doing. Barack Obama and Loretta Lynch, the president and the attorney general of the United States, were already investigating every questionable police shooting that was taking place in the country. The federal government was doing exactly what Colin Kaepernick was protesting them for doing. It's amazing. And the analogy that I could draw here is it's like Colin Kaepernick walked into McDonald's and took a knee and then said, I'm here and it's 11 o'clock and I want breakfast. And I'm protesting because you're not offering me breakfast. And then the McDonald's employee's been like, well, hey, Colin, newsflash, we got breakfast all day at McDonald's now. And Colin Kaepernick's like, oh. But, but most people were too dumb and or too afraid to actually point out that Colin Kaepernick's protest had no basis in reality and was the decision of an unintelligent buffoon. Colin Kaepernick protested. Everybody praises him. Oh, this is the Rosa Parks of the NFL. God bless him. And here's what I said at the time. Real courage is protesting things that people are actually opposed to. Nobody's opposed to the idea of innocent people being killed by the police. There literally is no one out there listening to us right now who's like, you know what? You know what I wish the police would do more of? Kill innocent people. You know what I woke up this morning for thinking? Man, I wish some cops would kill some innocent people. There's literally no one listening to this show right now who has that belief. So protesting something that everybody already agrees with is not courage. If Colin Kaepernick, when he was playing for the San Francisco 49ers, had wanted to take a knee and protest the United States flag during playing the national anthem because gay marriage was legal, that would be brave. Can you imagine doing that in San Francisco? That's exercising his First Amendment rights about something that the government actually decided to do. The United States Supreme Court decided by a ruling of 5-4 to four that gay marriage was legal. In so doing, they told Barack Obama in 2012 and Hillary Clinton in 2012 who opposed gay marriage, you know what, you were wrong and you believe something unconstitutional in 2012. Because that's how quick this thing has changed. 2012, Barack Obama and Hillary Clinton were both opposed to gay marriage. 2017, you're homophobic if you're opposed to gay marriage. It's an unacceptable opinion to have. Now, I think gay people should be able to get married. I want them to be as miserable as heterosexual people. I guarantee you there's some gay people listening to me right now like, yeah, I kind of wanted to get married. Then I found out what it was like. 
Now I kind of want to get divorced. But they don't want to do it because they're like, we fought so hard to get married. Now we're going to get divorced. Colin Kaepernick could have taken a knee to protest gay marriage. You know what would have immediately happened? All of the people right now who are listening, they were like, Colin Kaepernick's so brave. He's the Rosa Parks of the NFL. You know what they would have said? Got to cut him. Got to cut him. We can't have a San Francisco 49er player advocating against gay marriage. That's not inclusive enough. This guy doesn't deserve to play football in the NFL. Most people, 99% of them, who praise somebody for standing up for the First Amendment do it only because they agree with the underlying speech. I'm not like that. I believe in the robust marketplace of ideas, First Amendment alive and well in all respects, even if I disagree with what you're saying. So I'm not disputing Colin Kaepernick's right to protest. I'm just pointing out that he was an idiot and that his protest had no basis in reality and that most people were afraid to actually point that out either because they were afraid of being called racist or because they were too dumb to actually understand what Colin Kaepernick was protesting in the first place. But guess what just happened? Yesterday, I'm driving up here to go speak at the University of Tennessee. My phone blows up. Colin Kaepernick opted out of his contract, now a free agent. What's he decided to do? He's standing for the national anthem now. Oh, glory be. This guy is the biggest sham protester of all time. So when he had a guaranteed contract and he knew he couldn't get cut, he was so against police brutality. But as soon as he needs to go get paid, guess what happened? Oh, he decided that his speech wasn't that important. You know, in retrospect, maybe I shouldn't have taken that knee. To call it Kaepernick saying, you pay me enough money And I will totally sell out my political opinions, even if they're rooted in idiocy and even if they never made any sense to begin with. This is a flagrant example of what I've been telling you for a long time. Colin Kaepernick, not a smart man. We offered to have him come on the show. I've heard him discuss his political beliefs. I think they are as deep as a limestone formation. Dirt above a limestone formation. That's a tough metaphor. This has been a flawless segment. That wasn't a perfect metaphor. There is no depth to Colin Kaepernick's ability to explain his political opinions. He is, as my friend Jason Whitlock says, twoke. He's Twitter woke. He follows around this guy, Sean King, on the internet. You might not know Sean King. Call him Talcum X. He's a white dude who pretends he's black, pretends that he's woke about all these different racial issues, and consistently makes up stories to make people believe that the world is worse than it is. Colin Kaepernick should be ashamed of himself. Moreover, every single person out there who praised in any way Colin Kaepernick and his protest, you just got served by an idiot. The moment that he needs to make money, Colin Kaepernick turns and runs from his protest. Only thing that's changed since Colin Kaepernick started his protest, Donald Trump got elected president. You know the ultimate irony? I don't think Donald Trump would have gotten elected president if Colin Kaepernick hadn't done his protest. You know the difference of this election? 70,000 votes. One football stadium in the states of Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, and Michigan. You flip 70,000 people, one football stadium in those three states, Hillary Clinton is the president of the United States. I think that Donald Trump won this election because of Colin Kaepernick's protest. He cost the Democrats the 20 
2016 presidential election. He put Donald Trump into the White House. He won Donald Trump, Pennsylvania, Michigan, and the Big Ten states in general. Pennsylvania, Michigan, and Wisconsin would not have gone to Donald Trump, I don't believe, but for the Colin Kaepernick protest. God bless America, Colin. Your speech was so dumb that you got the guy who is the least representative of what you would have hoped the president would look like into the White House. God bless the USA, indeed. I'm Clay Travis. Phone numbers, lines open up, 877-996-6369. This is not Fearful Radio. This is the brutal, honest truth that you ain't going to get anywhere else. This is Outkick the Coverage on Fox Sports Radio. One of the best songs of all time, bringing us back here, live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios. Let me go ahead and knock this one out, too. Safe stopping starts with Duralast brakes. They're proven tough in the official brakes of NASCAR. Sold only at AutoZone. Get in the zone. AutoZone. My guy, Charles Davis, I'm a place he's a little bit familiar with in Knoxville, not far from the University of Tennessee campus where I spoke yesterday. Charles, what's going on, my man? How you doing? Hey, you spoke on campus yesterday. We kind of, kind of communicated. How did how did it go with setting up the gear? Did you did you push the merchandise? We sold a I mean, lot of how merch. How did it go? And we sold a lot of merch. You know, it's it's always uh, I, it, what we do, and you do this too. You do television. Even yep. though you're talking to a lot of people, it's sometimes isolating what we do, right? I write articles. I put them up on the internet. I sit in a radio studio, and I talk to a lot of people. Same thing with you. When you go call games for Fox, you're in a booth, and you know you're talking to a lot of people. But the people that you actually see who you talk to is relatively few, right? You see a couple of guys True. who you know are watching the broadcast. So I always enjoy getting out for the social aspect of what we do and actually seeing people who say, oh, I heard what you said about X. So I heard what you said about right. Y. It's good to actually see that audience face to face because it's rarely you get to do it. Right now, I'm sitting in a in a studio in a little room in Knoxville. There's nobody else I can even see. We're talking to you know several hundred thousand people right. across the country, but it's 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 definitely a dynamic kind of feeling because you go from isolation but broadcasting to a large audience. You do it as well, and you're really really good at it. So I'm gonna start with that. How have you found calling the NFL to be as compared to calling college football? Is there a difference in the way that you approach the game? There is. Um, I don't consider it a major difference. Football is football is football, and you adapt to what's in front of you. But Kevin Harlan is one of the great play-by-play guys in our business. You know, he goes. Kevin goes across all sports, and as you know, Clay, play-by-play people can go across all sports because the so-called you don't have to be a quote-unquote expert, just know the sport, call it, get it to your analysts, et cetera. So I called Kevin because I'd known him for a while when I went back when I first went to the NFL. And I was terrified. I said, oh, my God, Kevin, NFL, what am I going to do? And he said, I'm going to give you the least advice you need, and I think it's the best advice you can get. I said, okay, great. He goes, it's this simple. College game, the fans love to have the helmet off the player. They want to know about his background, what his, what his mama does, the whole thing. They love those stories about players. NFL fans want to know, score, am I up and down on my bet? How's my fantasy team doing? <laughs> And that's about it. Give him, give him the game. He said, so essentially, those great stories you have, if you have a story on a guy in college, you can kind of use a meat cleaver to do what you want with it. In the NFL, it needs to be a dagger. And that's what he told me. 
That's a really interesting uh, explanation. I mean, that, that's pretty fascinating for people out there who are listening to the game. Okay, so you were at the Combine, I believe, at least for part of it. When yeah. you hear that guys like Joe Mixon and Chad Kelly and assorted other players are not allowed to attend the Combine, I my position is that they should be able to go because you have to make a decision at some point whether or not you're going to draft those guys. And this gives an opportunity for them to talk to the media. It gives them an opportunity to talk to all the different teams. To me, it is something that should happen. They should be there, notwithstanding the fact that they may have done egregious things in their past. Right. They're still eligible to be drafted. Do you agree with me, or do you think it's appropriate to penalize them and not allow them to go? I agree with you. You know, in, in, in the whole in the concept of it all, and I'm not even trying to have a caveat here, Clay. I think you and I sit in the same spot on this one. Here's what I think it happened personally. I think the league, obviously feeling what's going on in, in, in our world, our culture, our climate, how things have changed over time, and, and, and for the good, because a lot of these things are egregious against people. So that's not what you want. It's a rule made, I believe, with unintended consequences. And the unintended consequence is what you talked about. They're not here in front of the whole league, so the league can't truly evaluate them in the way that they want to before making that decision, is this kid worthy enough for us to bring to our organization, our city, and, and, and give that other opportunity? Because some kids are worthy of those things, an extra opportunity. Some kids you might determine are not, and it's going to vary from team to team. But as you noted, it'd be nice for them to come through here and go through the entire gauntlet of this thing. You nailed it. You've got to go to, go to the, the media scrum, right? You've got to get tested. You've got to do all these things. You get observed in everything you do when you're here, even when you think you're not being observed. So now if you're interested in Joe Mixon or Chad Kelly as a team, you as a team now have to go to them, right? Instead of all being here and getting a good baseline, you have to do your work kind of from scratch. So the unintended is people have to do extra work on these kids and we don't get to see them under the full glare, et cetera. I think Bob Quinn, the GM of the Lions, talked about it, and it didn't come off. It didn't come out the way he wanted it to because he caught a lot of criticism. But I think it spoke to what you had just mentioned and what I'm co-signing on. I would like to see them here. I'm not condoning anything that any of these guys have done. That's not the point. But if they've served their punishment, people have done this, we can argue about that till all day long. Here's their opportunity to go to the next level. Let's get them evaluated fully. And this leads into what I think is one of the most difficult questions, not just in sports, but in life in general. What are the limits of redemption? Are there things that you can have done in your past that disallow you to be able to redeem yourself in some sense? And, you know, that, that goes to a lot of people out there listening, driving around. They're not perfect. Yep. They haven't been flawless in their lives. They certainly did dumb things when they were 18 or 19 years old. And so I'm just curious on your perspective, because I still don't know what I actually think about Joe Mixon. I don't think that I would be comfortable if I were an owner, you know, putting myself in that perspective, if I was fortunate enough to be a billionaire owner of a team, I think I would walk into my room and I would say, guys, this guy may be talented enough to play in the NFL, and I might be okay if he's not drafted, signing him to a free agent contract, but I don't think that I can allow you guys to draft him in rounds one to seven. As an owner, that would be something very rare that I would say. But with that video and the potential of protests and everything else, I think that would be my response. How would you handle it? What would you say if you were the PR guy or you were the owner, like I'm saying, too? You've got a daughter. You've been in school. You know guys do dumb things. Like, 
it's a really difficult decision. How would you handle it? Let's say if you were an NFL owner and or if you were involved in their marketing and PR department and they said, what's the fallout going to be if we do this? Yeah, knowing that I live in a glass house, okay, so I'm very careful about the stones that I'm going to cast out there. Here's my thing. I saw the video. I have a daughter. Obviously, I was sickened and appalled, and at that moment wanted nothing to do with this young man. Now, if I take myself away from that and I have to be an owner of an NFL team and what have you, I don't want the biggest vetting of this young man. I'm going to use Mixon. Let's just keep it at him, not just, you know, and let it speak for kind of everyone. I want the fullest vetting I can get because after all that happened, right, he sits out for the year, you know, Oklahoma does their discipline, et cetera. I hear about the parking ticket thing where he tears the ticket up and throws it in the face of a parking attendant. Now, you and I both know that the, the, the term rent-a-cop and all that is on every college campus going. We said it when we were in school. Other people have done it. But what was that all about if you've already had something else before? What is that all about? And everybody kind of brushed it aside like it was nothing. I want to know more about it. So I'm not at the stage of saying that no one's beyond redemption. All right. I want to know more of what's happening. Some guys may have done four or five, six different things. Does it rise to the level of punching a woman in the face? Not for me, probably not. And I'm like you, I'd be very uncomfortable about the whole thing. But I run a business. I'm trying to win ball games. Is he worthy of this? Did he show enough contriteness? Has he talked to me about, you know, talked to us about it? Has he done things behind closed doors where he has tried to show that he is contrite about what's going on? It's a million different questions, Clay. And I'm not comfortable with just saying out and out, this incident happens. I absolutely will not touch this kid again. Although, watching that video, I wanted to go to wherever he was and wring his neck. Okay? I mean, I, I, I'm a dad. I just wanted to go there and go, you're kidding. And then to see people defend, well, you know, she put her hands on him first. And then the, the false stories about what, what, what was said. and Everybody had it all wrong. I say everybody. A lot of people had it all wrong. We were all raised, don't put your hands on a woman. I don't know when that's changed. Amen. And I said that on the show at the time. It was blew me away. We had open phone lines. Guys called in and said, you know, she shoved him first. And I was, I was like, like whoa. You, I was like, what? Are you kidding me? I mean, make that argument that he was defending himself. It just blew my mind. Not, all right. We're not on the playground when we're four or five years old. That's exactly right. We don't know how to express that we like that, that cute young girl with the pigtails. So what did we do when we were four and five? We pushed her off the swing. Yes. That's what we did because we didn't know any better and we didn't know how to control ourselves or express it. We're not four or five now. We're talking to Charles Davis. You can follow him on Twitter, and I encourage you to do so at CFD22 on Twitter. Okay, i got to finish off with you with, with Colin Kaepernick here. And I remember you came yeah. on earlier in the season, and you said you didn't agree with his decision to protest in that manner. Now that he has decided that he's going to end his protest and he's now a free agent, does this come across as very self-interested to you? Because I just came on the last segment and said, this is unbelievable to me because – I, I didn't believe in the in the protest to begin with, but now that you got money on the line, you give it up. It's hard for me to buy into this idea that he's putting out there that he had a substantial impact and that he changed things, and so he doesn't need to do it anymore. Yeah, I, I think the optics are bad. I would love to have – I mean, it would have been a lot better for me personally if he had a contract in place and he was with a team and he was settled before this decision came out. In fact, if I were him and I were advising him, I would have never made an announcement until I figured out where I was going to be next year. I agree with you 100%. Let me know where I'm going to be next year. Let me sign a contract and then come out with my decision. Because right now, it does smack a little bit of, guess what? 
I need to, I need to rehab my image even more to try and get a contract because that's how we're uh, again optics are going to view it from the outside. Did he create a dialogue? Did he do some good stuff in terms of people talking about things, whether change happened or didn't? I remember I don't know if I shared it with you when we talked before, but when I when it first happened, I had this conversation with my father, and you have to remember, my dad, seventy something years old played historically black college football clay because they weren't taking black quarterbacks in droves in college and he was a quarterback and he went and played there and he told me at the time it happened because i was expressed to him what i expressed to you he said well he said i'm going to tell you is he's going to actually start a movement there's going to be more discussion than you think possible and my dad was spot on in terms of that he didn't say about agree disagree he just said he's going to create conversation and if we handle it the right way it could be good and so my father, you know, 70-something years as a black man in America, I got to give him credit for that. He was ahead of the game. But I think, again, we're – I'm not saying lockstep. I think we're in agreement here. I would have waited if I were advising him. I would say what, there's, no, there's no need or impetus to say one way or the other right now. Let's just wait till we find out where we're going, then announce what we're going to do. 100% because now it sets the idea that if you pay him enough money, he'll give up whatever beliefs he has. And that's, yeah, and, and, I think, and the ultimate indictment. Yeah. To me, that's rolling back what he showed conviction about before. And I won't even get into this part. Late in the season, I had San Francisco Clay at Miami. And you might remember things at that point where people were talking, right? Teams were going to places, right? Individual players were meeting with police departments. Right? Good things were happening. That's when the Castro thing happened with him. Yep. And it, it almost rolled back everything good. You know, I'm down there in Miami of all places. This is what you hit the week of your game in Miami. <laughs> what did you think when you saw that, by the way? You're like, they just threw me into, I mean, you have to then address just, it in some way, or are you just like, oh, my I, I God, said, I can't believe it. I, yeah. First thing I thought was our Open just changed. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, and then I met with a couple of reporters in the Miami area and a couple of very prominent reporters who were Cuban-American, and you can imagine the consternation felt there. When, oh. when those, I was like, oh, man. And, you know, there's some very thoughtful columns that came out of it. But, I, you know, I thought, wow. Right before <laughs> I said, well, I guess this is how you get better as a, as a broadcaster because you have to learn how to handle some of those curveballs that come your way. And that was a great game. Ended with, like, a tackle at the five-yard line or so, right? He got he play, tackled he, trying he to played, scramble. He, he played – that was the best game he played all year, I, in my humble opinion. He was terrific, throwing the ball, running the ball. As you said, he got tackled, I think, at the two – and the clock ran out, and they, they had a chance to either tie or, or, or go ahead. But that's the best game he played. Threw for nearly 300 yards, ran for 100. It was just it was, it was like, that's Colin Kaepernick we've seen before. Not totally there, but that's the glimpse we've seen. But it came after the comments, so he handled, it. He, he handled the criticism there pretty well as well. Appreciate the time, my man, uh, and keep it up. Go follow him at CFD22. That is Charles Davis. Right now, let's find out what's trending. Welcome back to the Fox Sports Radio studios brought to you by GEICO. It's easy to save 15% or more on car insurance with GEICO. Go to GEICO.com or call 800-947-AUTO. The only hard part, figuring out which way is easier. Let me go ahead and knock this one out, too. we got to open phone lines, or maybe we got loaded loaded phones. I'm not sure. Anyway, let me go ahead and give you the number. 877-996-6369. You can react to my destruction of Colin Kaepernick. You can react to uh, anything, obviously, that Charles Davis said. Going to open up phone lines for the first time so far today's show. And let me go ahead and get this Geico ad out. What does it mean when Geico says just 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance? It means you probably should have gone to geico.com 15 minutes ago. 
Let's go to Nate in California. What's up, Nate? You doing, Clay? Doing excellent. How are you? All right. I like to listen to your show because you keep it real. But honestly, I don't think that you're keeping it real with the situation with Colin Kaepernick. I think you're just trying to antagonize the situation. So I just How's got so? one question for you since you keep it real. Yeah. Kaepernick said he's not standing up uh, to show pride in a flag for a country that oppresses black people and people of color. And you said he's stupid because you don't even know. He doesn't know what he's saying. So do you That's really correct. think that America treats – do you really think that America treats – people of color or black people fairly or even have they since back in the day in slavery slavery and all the way up until now when cops are just shooting people for no reason with for nothing all right thanks for the call nate first of all cops are not shooting people for no reason for nothing statistically again i understand that everybody there's a lot of people out there who are in the business colin kaepernick's one of them of making you afraid there's lots of minorities out there that are like, oh, cops are going to shoot me again. The statistics. If you are unarmed right now in this country, okay, listen to me. In 2016, you were more likely to be killed as an unarmed person by bees, wasps, and hornets in this country than you were by police officers. Okay, I want you to think about that for a minute. If you are exiting your house or you are sending your kids out of the house every single day and you are not telling them, and remember... Be careful of bees, wasps, and hornets because they might kill you. Then you are not paying attention to the actual statistical data. You are like a person, and I'm one of them too, who goes into the ocean and expects that you're going to get eaten by a shark because you saw the movie Jaws. That's what you're like. Does the federal government, and then look, have minorities been treated unfairly in this country historically? Of course. Are they being treated unfairly now? No. The federal government treats everyone equally under the law 100% across the board in fact if you want to take the next step and I'm speaking as a lawyer here black people are actually treated better under the law now than anybody else that's what affirmative action is it's an attempt to redress past grievance by giving favorable treatment now lots of black kids out there getting into better colleges than they would if they were Asian or Hispanic or white. That's the truth. You get lower test scores and you get into better schools than you would if the color of your skin were different. Now, you can agree or disagree with the concept of affirmative action, but the only treatment that is occurring of black people by the federal government is more favorable than everybody else right now. Again, that's the entire purpose of affirmative action. So there is zero discrimination on a federal level against black people by this federal government. Now, are there individual cops who are bad and maybe racist? Sure. Are there individual politicians who may be bad and may be racist? Sure. That's life. That's not the job of the government. You can't stop racism. If racism is not illegal, it's not illegal for right now somebody listening to me driving across the country to dislike white people or Hispanic people or black people or Asian people. That's not illegal. Not ideal. I wish it wasn't going to happen. But every single person listening to me right now knows an older relative in their family or has no one before, I bet, who says things that make you uncomfortable at Thanksgiving. Government's not going to kick the door down and come arrest them for something they're saying at Thanksgiving dinner. That's not what we do in America. The federal government treats everybody equally. And I don't think, honestly, that there is any ability to comprehend that by Colin Kaepernick. And that's why I said I, I offered Colin Kaepernick the opportunity to come on this show and talk for as long as he wants. 
I'm a First Amendment guy. But I believe that if we had Colin Kaepernick in this studio with me for an hour, you guys would leave saying, my God, this guy has no idea what he's talking about. This is an abject failure. There's no depth of knowledge to Colin Kaepernick and his ability to make the case for his particular beliefs. Let's go to Matt in Fort Lauderdale. Hey, man. <laughs> Woo, you better you better be ready, man, because you know that people are going to be coming after you after this, uh, after this little dialogue. But God bless you. Thank God you're speaking out because... I, I agree with almost everything you're saying, but, but that's really irrelevant for my call. My call is just to thank you for actually adding to the marketplace of ideas. Um, I listened to you on SiriusXM. SiriusXM just recently picked up Fox Sports, and thank God, because my morning commute is just so much better now. I don't have to listen to ESPN radio anymore. Um, there's just there's nobody speaking out on the other side at all, because like you said, everybody's afraid of being called a racist. And I really just wanted to thank you from the bottom of my heart, and I know there's millions of us, for actually speaking a divergent point of view because it's not out there. You're not allowed to. You are shackled by the lack of a free marketplace of ideas. And so God bless you, and thank you so much. Appreciate the call, Matt. I'm going to open up phone lines now. Again, 877-996-6369. You can roll in. You don't have to agree with me. Again, Matt spoke to it perfectly down in Fort Lauderdale. I believe in the marketplace of ideas. I believe that the country is better when people are not afraid to say what they actually believe. And so for three hours every day, I sit down in front of this mic Monday through Friday and tell you exactly what I believe. That's rare. That's why our ratings are up 20,000%. That's why we're kicking the crap out of Mike and Mike and everybody at ESPN. That's why every single day more of you are starting your mornings with us. I thank you for that. I'm Clay Travis. You're listening to Outkick the Coverage on Fox Sports Radio. Live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio Studios. When you really need to be there, you really need an interstate. The car battery auto techs prefer. Let one of those texts test your battery today. Find a location near you at interstatebatteries.com. Interstate batteries, outrageously dependable. And I, of course, am always outrageously dependable. At least that's the goal, to be outrageously dependable every single morning here. Best sports talk in the country. And let's go ahead and go back to your phone calls. Randy in California. Randy, what's up, man? Hey, Clay. We need a beer in Marina Del Rey, man. Marina Del Rey is nice. How's the weather there today? Uh, well, first it's day early. Yeah. back in clear air. You guys are going to start getting some storms, and we're on the other side of the jet stream, man. I got gotcha. So, uh, So what's shaking? Well, don't you think that Trump Twitter and the Electoral College defeated uh, – Crazy Kaepernick. I, I think. Look, I really mean this, and let me let me uh, let me kind of reassess my uh, my position on this. Immediately after the election, I looked at the results and I came in and I said, you know what, we got an East Coast and we got a West Coast that's not going to like Republicans ever, right? And then you got a middle part of the country, and the middle part of the country decides the election. You got the South that's always going to support the Republican right now, and then you've got other parts of the country, right? So when I broke down the election, I said. There are 11 Southeastern Conference football states. That is 11 states with an SEC team in them. And Donald Trump won every 11, all 11 of those states, including a toss-up state like Florida, which was massive for him, and Missouri, which at least traditionally has been a toss-up state. Okay, so they got those 11 states. He won every Big 12 state. If you're in a Big 12 state right now, Donald Trump won your election. And this is where Donald Trump won the election. And this is where I really think that Colin Kaepernick's protest was potentially able to swing 70,000 voters. 
Donald Trump won every Big Ten state except for Illinois and Minnesota. And he flipped Pennsylvania. He flipped Michigan. And he flipped Wisconsin, which I believe was the first time any Republican had won those states since 1984. And I think a lot of people felt like Colin Kaepernick and his protest represented not a very moderate approach to anything. And they were antagonized and they were angry about it. And they switched. And this is crazy. People don't talk about this because it's like it's a lot more uh, enjoyable sometimes to say, oh, Donald Trump won because of racist or Donald Trump won because of uneducated voters. This is fascinating. In the state of Wisconsin, in the state of Wisconsin, 500 communities that voted for Barack Obama in 2012 flipped and voted for Donald Trump in 2016. I don't think those guys who flipped and girls who flipped from voting in Wisconsin for Barack Obama in 2012 and Donald Trump in 2016 suddenly became racist. I don't think they voted for a black guy in 2012 and a white guy in 2016, and in those four years they became racist. So I think a big part of that was because Donald Trump appealed to a segment of the population that was antagonized by what Colin Kaepernick and people of his ilk were doing. So anyway, continue. But Sorry. You're still, you're still towing the line on the popular vote and direct democracy. This is a representative democracy. So what did, did Kaepernick know or not know that Trump did about the nuances of the electoral college that most people really haven't even heard about, right? Yeah, thanks for the call. Look, I mean, most people don't know how the Electoral College is. Most people can't name a single Supreme Court justice, but they can name Judge Judy. That's life. Chris in Nashville, what's up? Oh, a whole lot of nothing, Clay. Uh, just had to, I'm going to keep this closer as possible. But uh, Kaepernick wants to say that he doesn't want to protest because he doesn't want to detract from the positive change. The only change he's made is nobody wants to touch him with a 10-foot pole. <laughs> and that boy Jonas Knox is a dumbass for defending him, too. Thanks for the call, Chris. I don't know what other people say on their shows, but I'm glad we have a divergence of opinion across the network here at Fox Sports Radio. Brendan in California. What's up, Brendan? How are you? Hey, man. Thanks for taking the call. I uh, I wanted to start out by saying thank you as someone who works in law enforcement to have someone that's willing to speak out in support of our of what we're trying to do. You guys have the toughest job in America and you get the most blame of anybody in America. I think it's absurd. I really appreciate it. I mean, I, I can speak for all of us when I say nobody wants to go to work and shoot or injure anybody. We're just out here trying to do the best that we can. Um, but as a 49er fan for the longest time, I really enjoyed Colin Kaepernick until he opened his damn mouth. And, uh, started spewing just garbage all across the airwaves and we're seeing it all the time here and i'm glad he's been released because i honestly don't think he'll play another five games in the nfl appreciate the call thanks for everything you do again i always like to say this i get mad at cops when they pull me over for speeding when i'm trying to drive into the show early in the morning but i cannot think of any other group in the country that has gotten blamed more unfairly in the past couple of years than police officers. They don't make a ton of money. They bust their ass. They put their lives on the line every day, and nobody protects more black, Asian, Hispanic, or white lives or Native American lives in this country than the cops. 
And we got a lot of them listening to us right now. Thank you guys. Appreciate it. Again, the marketplace of ideas. It's alive and well here on OutKick. You don't have to agree with me. In fact, JB in Richmond, I think he thinks I'm a huge racist. We're going to go to him first. Make sure you stay on, JB. I'm Clay Travis. You're listening to OutKick, the coverage. You've also got a bunch of college kids coming in to listen, so they should enjoy these calls. I'm live in Knoxville. Thanks to Tennessee for having me up here to speak to the uh, students. And uh, we are off and rolling into our number three. Again, JB and Richmond will lead us off. He thinks I'm a huge racist. This is Outkick the Coverage on Fox Sports Radio. Welcome back. Fox Sports Radio Studios brought to you by Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit geico.com for a free rate quote. Let me go ahead and knock this one out, too, because I want to go to the calls. Uh, Outkick brought to you by TrueCar. With TrueCar, you can find out what other people in your area paid for the same car you're looking for, and on average, save over three grand off MSRP. Whether you're looking for a new or used car, visit TrueCar to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. I'm Clay Travis. You are listening to Outkick the Coverage. We enter hour three here of the show. A couple little details out there. I don't know what's going to happen with the Warriors. They lost to the Bulls. I tend to think they're going to be fine. They're going to be in the Western Conference Finals. They're going to be in the Finals for the NBA overall. They're going to be playing the Cavs. There's a lot of storm uh, storm and turmoil between now and then that we'll try to convince ourselves that the NBA season is not a foregone conclusion. But that is what's going on with the Warriors. They lost Kevin Durant out, and they did not look very good against the Chicago Bulls. Big story that we have been spending a lot of time on. We're going to be joined, by the way, next segment by Casey Smith. And then we will have, so you know, what has become already one of the most popular segments in the history of Sports Talk Radio, at least according to me, I hate you, Clay Travis, at the bottom of our three on Friday. From now on, Fridays at whatever the math is, whatever the time is in your time zone, 8.30 Eastern, 7.30 Central, 6.30 Mountain, 5.30 on the Pacific Coast, we will be doing I Hate You, Clay Travis. So get ready for that. It's going to be Must Listen Radio. And then in the final segment of our three, we're now going to have our Callers of the Week. And so this is your opportunity to strut across the stage and prove that you have dominated OutKick for the week. Good, bad, indifferent, whatever it is, these will be our best callers of the week. Now, I have been teeing off on Colin Kaepernick. Colin Kaepernick, if you haven't heard, has made the decision no longer to protest the national anthem. And it's really convenient that he's made the decision no longer to protest the national anthem now that, let's be honest, he needs a job. And so when he had a guaranteed contract, he was fine protesting the national anthem, even though his protest made no sense, even though he was protesting the federal government for something they were already doing. Colin Kaepernick took a knee because he believed that law enforcement killed too many minorities and he wanted the federal government to do something about it. Well, the federal government was helmed up at the time that his protest began by Barack Obama, a black man, and by Loretta Lynch, a black woman. And do you know what they did? They were already doing exactly what Colin Kaepernick wanted them to do. They were already investigating any shootings that they believed were improper on behalf of the Department of Justice. The federal government was doing exactly what Colin Kaepernick wanted them to do. It's like walking into McDonald's and saying, I'm taking a knee right now because you don't have breakfast all day. And then the people at McDonald's say, well, actually, Mr. Kaepernick, we do have breakfast here all day. And so he was on his knee at McDonald's and it made no sense. People wouldn't point out that his protest made no sense because they were afraid, predominantly, of being called racist. And I'm not afraid of being called racist. I actually kind of welcome it. It's fun for me. So we're going to take calls now, 877-996-6369. The marketplace of ideas wide open. The First Amendment alive and well on this show, even if it's not alive and well in the country. And we will go first to JB in Richmond. JB, before you were saying that black people needed to protest the show and not listen because I was racist, are you still sticking to that? Or do you have you, do you back on that bandwagon? What's your perspective now on where my racism stands? 
Clay, I don't think you're racist. I just think you're misguided and misinformed. And just a little bit of your white privilege is like sweat dripping from Moses Malone. <laughs> what about Patrick Ewing? He sweated more than Moses Malone, right? You know what? Patrick Ewing is a strong 1A. <laughs> strong 1A indeed. All right, so what is my white privilege here? What am I doing? Because I pointed out that this is a fact, all right? So I always say this. I am in favor of this. Whether you're white, black, Asian, Hispanic, I don't want you to live in fear. I don't want you to be afraid of things that you shouldn't be afraid of. Right now, in this year of 2016 that we just finished, you are more likely as an unarmed person in this country to be killed by bees, wasps, and hornets than you are by police officers. <laughs> Clay, that's cute, okay? Listen, part of your white privilege is the fact that you don't live in the ghetto, man. In the you know ghetto, what? I used to live in the ghetto. I did live in the ghetto. I built a house right well, in inner city Nashville for eight years, and I went to a high school called Martin Luther King literally right next wow. to the project. So I went to school in the wow. ghetto, and I lived in the ghetto. I was the only white person in my neighborhood. Okay. Okay, Clay. See, this is why I like you. It's a love-hate relationship, though, man. It's a love-hate relationship. Oh, well, my I God. But, <laughs> I, I mean, yeah, I'm like, uh, I'm the only white guy I knew who lived in the hood. Thank you for the call, JB. I mean... I lived in inner city Nashville. I went to school 7th through 12th grade in inner city uh, Nashville at a school named Martin Luther King. Not a lot of white kids go to schools named Martin Luther King. I think that's probably fair to say. Across the country right now, I would bet that there are not a lot of 95% white students going to school named Martin Luther King, right? I think there are very few white kids who go to school next door to the projects. Now, I did. It was a great school, Martin Luther King. One of the best schools in the entire country. Absolutely loved it. 7 through 12 in Nashville, Tennessee. If you're moving to Nashville, get your kids in there. They're set for life, all right? It's a great school. But then I built a house a couple blocks away from that high school, right in the middle of the inner city. Loved it living there. Then I got rich and I moved to the suburbs. But when I lived in the ghetto, I wasn't rich. I also had to move because I built the house under my own name. And this is actually true. Built the house under my own name eight, nine years ago. And when we built the house, I didn't think about the fact that people would be able to get on the internet and Google my name and figure out exactly where I lived. Talk about not white privilege. This is not sports media privilege. People started to tweet. This is real life. People started to tweet my wife pictures of my house when they disagreed with my opinions about sports and say, we know when your husband is working in Los Angeles. Think about how crazy that is. You should go to jail, in my opinion, if you go on the internet and you track down somebody's wife and you track down somebody's house and you take a Google image picture of their house because you're angry that I didn't pick Alabama to win the national championship or whatever the hell it was in my sports opinion that you were angry about and you threaten his wife by saying, we know when your husband is in Los Angeles. How weird is that? You should go to jail if you do that. So we had to move. So we moved to the suburbs. Now I live in a rich white neighborhood, and I'm everything that represents evil in society, according to Colin Kaepernick. Let's go to Angry Mike in the Bay Area. Angry Mike, what's up? Can you hear me? I got you. What's up, man? Hey, I'm not that angry, but uh, I got I got a, like a girlfriend that's like red Republican out here in California, and uh, I'm like you. I'm in the middle, but like all these people kind of like, they, I didn't like this guy. And I, one thing I just wanted, like, all your audience to hear is, like, uh, like you just talking about the hood. Like, 
you're selling drugs and you expect them not to come after you. And and when I say come after you, I mean profile you like, hey, I'm gonna have to stop you. I want to see what you're doing. Like, don't don't. Why do you? You're not innocent. Like you you live in the hood. You should know why they're stopping you. And I don't know. I, I just I lost all Are my. Are you a black stuff, guy, white guy? What's your what's your background, I'm, Mike? I'm I'm a Latin guy, and I have if somebody I don't even live in the hood, dude. But I've been in the hood. Like I have a lot of friends in the hood. And if I got stopped, dude, like I don't care. Like, all right, if I have stuff on me, all right, you got me. Like that's I'm in the hood. You have every right. You're trying to protect the hood. Like you're protecting, right? That's why you're pulling me over. You're protecting the other people, the innocent, good people who are living in the hood. Like you just said, if you just lived in the hood, you're protecting people like you. Like because I may have a gun because I'm selling drugs. Like that's all where it comes from. So. And that's why that's where I see like people don't want to take responsibility. Like they just want to play victim. Like oh, they just want to kill us. They wake up. It's like you said. They don't wake up trying to kill you, wanting to kill you. They wake. They wake up trying to protect a certain area of the of the city. It's probably poor, right? Where people are living like that, and they have a good reason to believe this guy probably. You know what I'm saying? Like I don't. Yeah, I don't I, think it's that crazy. You got to live in or be in there to understand that, but. And that's what I'm trying to say. Like, the people that are complaining most should understand it most because they're living there. Like, you know what goes on. You got weed in your pocket. You're trying to sell. And you, this stuff goes on, dude. You you shouldn't. You sh- I don't know. They play victim too much, especially out here in California, dude. I, it's crazy, man. Me and my, me and my girlfriend kind of like, these people are crazy. We're living out here. San Francisco, we're living out here. It's, it's weird, dude. I don't know. I wonder how the, the rest of the country feels. Appreciate the call, Mike. Uh, look, there are lots of great people who live in poverty-stricken areas. And those are the people who need the protection the most from the police. And this is all I say. If your goal was to kill minorities, that's what your goal was. Being a cop is like the least efficient way that you could have that goal. Right? If you really were racist and you're like, you know what I want to do? I want to go kill some black dudes. Do you really think that you would go to the police academy? And do you really think you would pass all the difficult tests that police have to pass? And do you really think you would work for years not having shot anybody? And then suddenly decide, you know what? I'm a huge racist. I'm going to shoot a minority. It doesn't make sense when you logically break it down. Cops aren't perfect. They have a really difficult job. Day in and day out, their lives are put on the line and they have to make a decision about what to do. And sometimes they make the wrong decision. Just like you make the wrong decision at your job. But if you make the wrong decision at your job and you're an accountant, you mess up somebody's tax return. If you make the wrong decision and you're a lawyer, you mess up somebody's lawsuit. If you make the wrong decision and you're a cop, somebody ends up dead. Just like for doctors who get sued for malpractice, their errors are a lot more substantial. If you're an open-heart surgeon and your finger slips the wrong way and you cut somebody's vein and they bleed to death, that mistake is not really that much different than a UPS driver who backs into a, a mailbox or a parked car. That's an error that they do at their job. The significance of the error of some jobs is more extreme than others. And that's just a function of the job itself. That's why it's so difficult. Let's go to G-Dub in Cincinnati. What's up? Clay, how you doing, man? I'm excellent. Hey, with all due respect to the last caller, that guy's an idiot. You probably should have hung up on him like five seconds into his call. And, Clay, you know this, and he definitely obviously doesn't, but uh, black people don't use drugs any more than white people. That's just a fact. And, again, these are things that uh, can be looked up. Uh, You you and I agree on this, G-Dub. Look, my philosophy on drugs is this. The same as my philosophy on prostitution, the same as my philosophy on sports gambling. If you are an adult and it is a drug that is not – like, I don't want to make heroin legal. 
I don't want to make right. meth legal, something you can die using one time. But if you want to use cocaine or if you want to use smoke pot or if you want to use ecstasy or party drugs, I'm totally fine with it. I think the I think there's a lot of cops who would agree with this. I think you can focus police uh, attention on things that actually are dangerous in this country. The reason why there is so much drugs coming into this country is not because the cartels down in Mexico and beyond are idiots. It's because there's a massive demand for drugs in this country, and all they're trying right. to do is sate it. And we haven't been able to create anything different about the price of cocaine on the streets, despite the fact that we've spent trillions of dollars trying to fight the war on drugs. That's my opinion. I would legalize it. I would tax it. That's my philosophy in general. And I agree with you. Black people, white people, Hispanic people, Asian people, they tend to use drugs at similar uh, similar rates. Okay, continue. Well, well, and, and his point, which is he's obviously a very bigoted person, was that if you live in certain areas that you should be pulled over because you, you fit some type of profile. And I would suggest, Clay, that you've probably never been profiled I mean, pulled over because you've been profiled as a guy most likely to show up on how to catch a predator in the kitchen. So, I mean, it's a ridiculous, it's a ridiculous analogy you know that he made. It's amazing. I get pulled over like a black dude, even though I'm a white guy. I don't know how often black dudes get pulled over, but I get pulled over, and I like cops. I get pulled over like crazy by cops. Now, maybe they're just fans of the radio show, and they just want to shake my hand. They're like, oh, there's Clay Travis. I just ran his plates. I'm going to pull him over and tell him how much I like the show. But I get pulled over like a black dude when I'm driving around, no matter where I'm driving around. I get, well, I'm me, not kidding about this. Say this Clay, car, I, I've, like, been, I've never seen somebody get pulled over like you. Clay, I, I got the reason why it's, it's called upset me because I got pulled over. Clay, I, I actually used to work for a coroner's office. I, I worked there for a couple of decades. And uh, one of the first cars I ever bought, I bought a 328 uh, 328i uh, BMW. I got pulled over nice by a police officer because. <laughs> he didn't. He didn't believe that that uh, that it was my car. And Clay, I'm talking about on the side of a road, traffic stopping because everybody rubbernecks with a car seat sitting out, checking my car. You, you yeah, know how look. disgusting it is, uh, Clay. Uh, how infuriating and, and demeaning that is. And believe me, I'm the least likely guy to ever have a police record. <laughs> Just you're a hardworking father of two. You and, know what? I got I got GW. I got to let you go. But thanks for the call. Thanks for calling. Thanks for listening. I got a police record right now. Because I haven't paid my uh, haven't paid my tickets. I don't know how he knows this, but Jason Martin just popped in and said, and I can't believe that he knows the statistics. I don't know where these statistics come from. Just because we're always accurate here, black people have an eleven point three percent drug use rate. Asians have a three point seven percent drug rate. So Asians not a good community to go try to sell drugs to. Just FYI, if you're a drug dealer out there driving around. Asian people are not who you should be focusing on. White people, 9.2% drug use, which is average for all groups. What about Hispanic people? Do we know that, Jason Martin? Still looking on that. <laughs> Still trying to research Hispanic drug use. That's what you get here on the show in the morning. Thanks for all your calls. We're going to go to Casey Smith, and then it's time. You can even go ahead and start loading up the phone lines if you would like for I Hate You, Clay Travis. This is your opportunity to tee off on me for reasons that you hate me. 877-996-6369. I'm Clay Travis. You're listening to Outkick the Coverage on Fox Sports Radio. Uh, welcome back in. I'm Clay Travis. This is Coolio in the background. Probably most of you who are listening would rather listen to Coolio than me. But, but unfortunately, I get pulled over like a black station. dude when I'm driving around, no matter where I'm driving around. I know why the cage bird sings. I told you guys. Uh, live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios. Might be because I'm 25% black. That might be why I get pulled over. 25% black, 25% Asian, 25% Hispanic, 25% white. Most inclusive man on the radio. Most inclusive man in America. I think I'm going to become president by default now. 
Uh, safe stopping starts with Duralast brakes. They're proven tough and the official brakes of NASCAR. Sold only at AutoZone. Get in the zone, AutoZone. Because we're trying to make America a better place. Uh, we have the drug use rates by race. Jason Martin, we have the breaking news sounder. You've done the research. Uh, this is what we do. So we just so we're treating everybody equally. Let's figure out who uses drugs the most. Jason Martin, take it away. Well, basically, the uh, blacks were dependent on the uh, survey that you looked at. I looked at a couple of different ones. They're around 12%, somewhere between 11.3 and 12.4. So I'll say 12 to be safe. Whites are somewhere between 9.2 and 10. Asians, 3.7. This is, by the way, this is drug use rates. What were Asians? 3.7, which oh, is... Oh, man. You can, that's a awful... If you're an Asian drug dealer, you are screwed. Yeah, you Nobody are making stuck. money as an Asian drug dealer. you got to sell to other races. Hispanic All right, is keep at going. Eight point, uh, Hispanic is at 8.9. 8.9. Robert, you're Hispanic. You actually think that's low? Oh, absolutely, Clay. <laughs> I mean, living here in L.A. and then knowing several drug users and sellers, that has to be way... That's too low. Look, yeah, Robert. So maybe that's just nationwide. Maybe L.A. is a lot higher in the numbers. Not everybody is Cypress Hill, Robert. It's not, all, it's not all the same. And then the one that really stunned me, the American Indian and Alaskan Native population 14.9%. I don't know if peyote oh, counts, but it might. A lot of things to move going to a on reservation. inside of TPs. Those Asian drug dealers need to move to a reservation and try to get some yeah. business. Uh, Mook, call me Money Mook, says, you said you built your own house. I said I built a house in the hood. And he says, that's white privilege. I'm beginning to notice you're one-sided AF. I think that stands for as. Yes, it does. Yeah. Okay. Uh, let's go to uh, Casey Smith. Um, Casey what do you think uh, about this intro? Did you expect to find out all about drug use according to racial groups? No, I didn't, but nothing surprises me on your show anymore. But I have to ask, I mean, how do they get those numbers? Like, the It's a fantastic race, for question. Example, like, can you, I mean, there's no way that people are actually like saying, oh, yeah, like, I dropped acid last night, put me on the list. <laughs> like, these numbers have to you guys. There's no way those are right. What do you think the drug use rate is on college campuses? So we just ran through all those rates. The highest was 14%. We got college kids in campus. Like, you guys can give me a signal. Do you think it's a lot higher than 14%? Yeah, there are Tennessee yeah, students in here right be. now. They're all saying it's a lot higher than 14%. Um, or so, yeah. I mean, you have to look at, like, Adderall usage, too. I mean, obviously, like, that's a drug if you're not prescribed it. And I know when I was in college, like, you could go up to almost anybody in a library. And I went to Texas A&M, which is obviously – an extremely conservative school, and you could go up and find probably 50% of people in there that could at least find somebody to give you Adderall if not had it in their backpack already. So that number's really low. Yeah, and also you're a hot girl, Casey, so that might be hot girl privilege. You could walk around in a, in a <laughs> library and be like, hey, can you give me $20? And, and like every guy there would be like, sure, yeah, here's $20. Like hot <laughs> girls just get given stuff, and they don't even know why. My wife, same thing can happen. You know, you're walking around like – She's like, if my wife ran out of gas, you know, how there's always like a loser dude walking around any city in America you're in. There's always some loser dude who walks up and he's like, my car's run out of gas. I don't have enough money. Can you give me money? It's always dudes. If a hot chick did that, she would make like a thousand dollars, like just walking around. I'm not even kidding about this. You put a hot enough girl on the street in Nashville, just walking around saying she lost her gas money. She would make a thousand dollars just walking around outside of bars. There's no doubt. So maybe if you, oh, if you need I'm to make sure. extra money this weekend in Boston, Casey, you can just walk around and say you ran out of, uh, ran out of, it would be an actually a fascinating study to do put random normal dude and attractive girl on the street in the same neighborhood and have them walking around asking for gas money and see how much they would get in fact we talked about this maybe on the air before you uh we talked about like i this is my theory all right so everybody out there who's listening if you want to go to a really difficult sporting event you get a girl really good looking and have her make a, a sign that says she needs tickets 
and there will be a guy who will give her tickets either at incredibly reduced rate or for free. And if you compare it with like a normal dude walking around trying to get tickets, even for a tough game, have you you've actually lived this before, right? You've gotten into games where you're like, there's no way we're going to get in. Oh yeah, I've done it multiple times, and it's interesting because if you bring another girl with you, like that rate even gets higher. Like one of my best girlfriends and I wanted to go to the national championship a couple of years ago in Arlington. And we had gone to all the parties. I know you and I had gone to a couple events that week, and we just didn't have tickets to the game. Lauren and I didn't. And we were like, at halftime, we're like, okay, we've got to go into the stadium. We're 10 minutes from the stadium. What are we doing? And we could not have been on site at Cowboy Stadium for maybe 10 minutes. And we had a little sign that says, you know, we just want to get in. It was really cold outside. And somebody not only came up and gave us tickets, they gave us sweet tickets for free. So then I started getting this idea, okay, we've got to do this more often. This summer, and I, uh, this summer, one of my guy friends and I went to one of the Team USA, the men's national team soccer games against Argentina, really coveted tickets. He and I could not get tickets at all. We walked around for probably about an hour. I said, hey, let's split up. I'll go somewhere else you go. And I was wearing, you know, a big uh, Clint Dempsey jersey, had some white shorts on and some boots in Texas. A guy came up and gave us, like, you know, fifth row tickets for, like, a fourth of the price. And I called my guy friend and say, hey, you know, get your ass over here. We're going in. And he was baffled for the rest of the trip. So girls, and I don't even necessarily think that you have to be extremely good looking. I think a girl looking for tickets by herself, you're going to find tickets. It just depends on how long you want to stand out there and wait. We're talking to Casey Smith. She's breaking down hot girl privilege for us. Hashtag hot girl privilege (laughs) uh, at K-A-Y-C-E Smith. You can find her on Twitter. All right. So you are now in Boston. Congratulations on the new job. What will you be doing in Boston? And have you found yourself now all in on Celtics games? Like, did you watch the Celtics Cavs game every, every minute of every, every play of that game? Um, Well, I am all in on Celtics because I kind of have to be now that I'm a Boston girl. And that's not just the Celtics. That's all of the Boston franchises, obviously. Um, but I'll be working for Comcast Sports New England, which is obviously NBC Sports, and uh, they're kind of doing the same idea of getting into the opinion commentary realm, which I obviously know a lot about. So uh, in April, we'll be launching a new show that I'll be a part of, and all those details will start coming out within the next couple of weeks. But I'm going to actually get to sit on TV and give my opinion and comment on sports, which I know a lot of people are not going to like because I am a girl. Um, but I'm excited to do it, obviously, with my background in radio. Um, this was the next step for me, and I'm really excited to be a part of this team and kind of a good time to be in Boston, obviously, with the Patriots. And those people are crazy, um, I found, and it's really, really cold, so it's a lot different than Texas. And I'm really excited about it. Yeah, so that's the biggest change probably, right? The culture to go from South Texas where it's warm and now all of a sudden you're in Boston. How quick is it going to be until your blood adjusts? Because that's a frigid difference. Well, I'm actually back in Texas today because I came back to get the rest of my stuff because obviously moving 1,600 miles is not the easiest thing in the world. Um, But when I was up there this week, it was like 60. When I get back, it's supposed to be 19. And right now it's 12. I got an alert this morning. So I have no idea. I'm going to be drinking a lot of wine and whiskey and whatever I can just to try to adjust because when it gets 50 degrees in South Texas, like I don't want to go outside. So that's going to be the biggest adjustment for me. And, of course, just having to figure out how to, like, shovel ice and snow and all that. I've never had to do that before. And you talk about hot girl privilege. I'm hoping that I've got a neighbor that will help me out with that because that is not something I'm looking forward to. <laughs> I'm sure that's going to happen. All right. You'll love this new segment that we have coming up, Casey. you got to stream it. It's called I Hate You, Clay Travis. We're doing it every single th- last half hour of the show on Friday. So I'm going to let you go. Thank you for coming on. Casey's with us every single sm- every single week. Go follow her at Casey Smith. And 
In the meantime, load up the phone lines. People say, oh, you're an ass, and you don't give people an opportunity to tee off on you. This is your opportunity. All week long, anything that I've said that you dislike, that you disagree with, I hate you, Clay Travis. It's the segment that's sweeping across the nation. 877-996-6369. 877-996-6369. But first, let's go to what's... Biggie bringing us back. Welcome back to the Fox Sports Radio studios brought to you by GEICO. It's easy to save 15% or more on car insurance with GEICO. Go to GEICO.com or call 800-947-AUTO. The only hard part, figuring out which way is easier. And let me go ahead and tell you this too. Duralast batteries proven tough and designed to stand up to even the most extreme weather conditions with patented technology to deliver the most power during startup. Get in the zone. AutoZone. We're always in the zone here. And at this time, every Friday... It's time for the segment that's sweeping the nation. I hate you, Clay Travis. Swear to God, Clay, if I ever see you on the street. America, it's time for your favorite segment. I hate you, Clay Travis! Oh, you haven't heard of it? It's really simple. Basically, you get to on Clay. Like this. I hate you, Clay Travis. This is the stupidest thing that probably <laughs> you said in about six months. I hate you, Clay Travis, with your elfin size five shoes. I hate you, Clay Travis. I hate you, Clay Travis. I hate you, Clay Travis. <laughs> now, here's Clay. You, Travis. I mean... I hate you, Clay Travis. You want to hate me, then hate me. You know, the challenge that I've run into is over the last year or so, I've become America's sweetheart. And all people want to say is how much they love me. And I really, it's true. It's true. Everyone out there listening right now, they're like, I want to hate this guy, but I absolutely love him. He's just so amazing. And so we have a real challenge with getting people to call in now and say they hate me. So 877-996-6369. Nate and Dayton. Let's go to Nate. What's up, Nate? Clay, what's up, brother? How you doing, man? I'm excellent. How are you? Not too bad. Hey, man, I hate it that you are a former lawyer, and you know that the criminal justice system is skewed towards certain people, and I just don't think that that's cool that you ignore that. It's really boring. Hate you. The criminal justice system is skewed towards certain people. That's correct. It's called rich people. OJ killed two white people and got off. That's not because he's a black guy who's not treated fairly. It's because he's a rich dude. Most important color in the criminal justice system, green. I'm telling you. I'm a lawyer. If you pay me enough money, I'll represent anybody. Adolf Hitler needed a lawyer. He'd pay me enough. I'd represent him. Been in Oklahoma. What's up? Uh, yeah, Clay, I hate you. Um, you're an SEC homer. You and Paul Feinbaum need to get a radio show together. Uh, from Oklahoma, I mean, the way that you ripped on Joe Mixon was pathetic. I mean, the kid did something wrong. He deserved a second chance. You would represent him as a lawyer. You just said that yourself. And then you come after Baker Mayfield for getting arrested in SEC country. I hate you, man. <laughs> I I did come after Baker Mayfield. I really want that uh, police officer who tackled Baker Mayfield to be on the starting Arkansas defense next year. They couldn't tackle anybody last year. The fact that they haven't gotten him signed yet is a total travesty. And I love that this guy called in and he's hating me for being upset that Joe Mixon broke a girl's face in three places and stayed on scholarship at Oklahoma. Is that the standard now of hate? Clay Travis, you you hate people who break girls' faces. Oh, well. Grown men, six foot, 220 pounds, threatened by a girl who shoved him, broke her face in three places. Oh, this is big. This is big. We haven't heard from him in a long time. Mikey in Auburn. Mikey, what's up? Hey, Jason. Um, I don't know how you work with a transphobic man who makes fun of transsexual people. I love I've transsexual people. Are you show. trans? Are you trans, Mikey? 
No, I, I'm not. But I've listened to this show long enough to know when you act like you're a woman and you know there are young boys out there that are really women inside and you mock them, Clay, what's wrong with you? I really? didn't mock him. I, I, I thought it was important. You didn't no, think it was really didn't. important that I broke, You're that I broke fun, uh, Mikey, I broke the glass God. ceiling this week when I became a woman. Glass ceiling. You're an ass, Clay. Please relax. Are you, Mikey, right? are you still upset over Hillary losing the election? I voted for Bernie, actually. <laughs> Even though Bernie wasn't the Democratic nominee? Did yeah, you write in Bernie's in. name? Fill in, dumbass. You ever heard of him? <laughs> So you're the only person in the state of Alabama, Mikey, who voted for Bernie Sanders? Whole state, not one person voted for him except for you? Where's Mikey? Did we lose him? Did he hang up? Oh, he hung up. James in Tennessee. What's up, James? Clay, bit of a hypocrite. You were busting on the uh, turtleneck, but your boy uh, Nick Vale wore a turtleneck on the last show of The Bachelor. I'm out. I, I, look, look, that was, now this is this is hate language. I have never defended anybody who's ever worn a turtleneck. You could say a lot of damn things about me, but don't you ever call this show and say that I'm not anti-turtleneck. I hate turtlenecks more than anybody on the face of the planet. If you are a guy right now driving around in your car on the way to work in a turtleneck, you should just strangle yourself to death right now because your life is over. You made a decision on Friday to get up and put that damn turtleneck out. I don't care how cold it is. You're like, oh, my, my neck's going to get cold. You could wear a scarf. That's how bad a turtleneck is. Men should never wear scarves unless other people are going to choke them to death with it. I'm telling you, if you got a turtleneck on right now, you just drive around, go back home, climb into bed. Or actually, you know, you don't even need to get into bed. Drive back home, pull into your garage, turn the exhaust on, and just start to breathe. That's what you need to do. Danny. <laughs> Danny G. I hope one of you asks. I got to drop that one. I hope one of you guys. I hope one of you guys has got a turtleneck on right now. No. That's no. how fired up I got about turtlenecks. Uh, yeah, to drop me. But while to I'm, drop me for going after turtlenecks. While I'm here with you, though, Clay. James in Tennessee, he got me triggered. <laughs> I got microaggressed. Uh, after after him, I have a I hate you, Clay Travis. All right. Yeah, what you got? Uh, Clay, I hate you because supposedly you're the best wedding DJ in the entire country. That's true. And yet all you, you got to do, hold on, for people who don't know, all you got to do to be the best wedding DJ in the country is put on uh, apple bottom jeans uh, by Flo Rida and then follow it up with gin and juice over and over again, and the whole party will be great. That's all you got to do. People are like, oh, it's so complicated. Just play those two songs on back to back, and then if it's white people, you put on Sweet Caroline at the end, and they go crazy. I'm just telling you. Okay, that but, and Don't Stop Believing by Journey. Four but, songs, you're done. But also, if it's white people, there's one song that's been played at least a million times especially in arenas across the country and that's jump around and according to you that is by cypress hill <laughs> oh yeah well yeah. Who, who is that i don't even know who that is like uh, see uh, cypress... you're the best wedding dj in the country it's house and... of pain clay come on <laughs> uh, cypress hill and house of pain are the same people that's the same band racist yep you get you get two of these hang on racist there you go racist uh, should we Jeff in Alaska? Are we on in Alaska? When do we add an affiliate hey, in Alaska? Hey, is he high? That's a fourteen point nine percent narcotic rate up there. Fourteen point nine percent narcotic. If they at the University of Alaska, they must all be drug addicts. Then uh, Jeff in Alaska. Yeah, I'm right here. Are we hey, on I it? hate Are... you, Clay Travis, because you know what? You had Mikey from Auburn on the phone, and you didn't trigger him enough for my entertainment. <laughs> I'm really pissed. Are we on in Alaska? How are you listening to us up there? I listen to you on uh, KJNO. Oh, wow. I didn't know we were on in Alaska. Damn. We were just taking over the we're, entire we're in the, country. I'm in the panhandle. I'm not on mainland. I don't know what that means. 
Well, it means <laughs> a little strip down there where Juneau, the capital, is. Uh, it still doesn't mean anything to me. I'm not an expert on geography. I'm okay, an expert look, on look lots at of things. State of Alaska. It's got that little panhandle thing that goes down toward this next to Canada. Yeah. It looks like it's a separate part of Alaska. Yeah, that's where I'm at. But that's still Alaska. It's for everybody Alaska. else down in the continental United States, when you say you're in Alaska, yeah. we don't care where you are in Alaska. We just want to know that you're in Alaska. <laughs> right. Well, Southeast Alaska is about the same size as California. Well, that's a big place. Pretty big. Jeff, and, thanks big. for the call. I'm glad to know we're huge in Alaska. Jeff in Indiana. Hey, man. I hate you, but I love you, man. You remind me of my boy, Jim Rome. I, I hope you like him because he's one of my favorite speakers. You need to find yourself a Chris Everett of the 2000s, man. Then I'll really hate you, but love you. You need to find yeah, someone that'll attacked. jump on you know, the table and wring your neck. I saw Jim Rome at the Super Bowl. The guy is yeah. like 5'2", 108 pounds. I mean, he was on the elliptical, and the elliptical wasn't even moving when he was pin- pinwheeling his legs. That's how little he weighs. I mean, he might be the biggest twig of a person I've ever seen. I was like, I I can't believe that Chris Everett would or would even beat his ass. I mean, he's so small. Like, I felt bad for Jim Rome. He also he looked like he was ill. I don't know. His goatee was dyed. It was a really bad look for Jim Rome. But I appreciate the fact that you realize that I'm a lot better than him. Uh, this is Outkick the Coverage. This has been I Hate You, Clay Travis. It's a good segment. Good segment. Good calls. Other than the guy who tried to tell me that I like turtlenecks. Again, you can say anything about me on the planet. Just don't ever try to say that I've ever said anything positive about the turtleneck. This is Outkick the Coverage on Fox Sports Radio. Your best calls coming up next. Live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios, what does it mean when Geico says just 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance? It means you probably should have gone to geico.com 15 minutes ago. I hate you, Clay Travis. Very well done by the callers there. We're going to have the call of the week coming up now, the final segment of Friday. Going to want to see who's going to win. It's not going to be Tyrone from Birmingham because I hate you, Clay Travis, went on too long, so we can't play it. But his call about polygamy was fantastic. So maybe, is it possible to put that up on the podcast and and use both of them? Is that possible, Danny G, Robert? Yes, okay. So we'll have them both online. If you want to go to foxsportsradio.com, you can listen to it. Also, starting on Monday, a lot of you have been asking for this. This show, Outkick the Coverage, will be on iTunes. So starting on Monday, if you do not have the ability to stream it on Fox Sports Radio, a lot of you have been telling me that your data plans are getting blown up through iHeartRadio and everything else you will be able to download the entire podcast for Outkick the Coverage, so start looking for that on Monday. Had a great uh, night last night. I spoke at the University of Tennessee. Hundreds of college kids and others came out to hear that talk. Several of them are in studio listening right now. Thanks to the University of Tennessee for hosting us, and also thanks to you guys out there in the Outkick Nation who have made this show the tremendous success that it is, and the site and everything else. We're growing at a rapid pace adding a lot of affiliates everywhere all over the country. A lot more of you listening every single morning than were listening the morning before. So thank you guys. Appreciate you being the evangelist for the show and helping to spread the news about everything that is associated with this show. Okay. So the call of the week. Earlier I said you can say anything about me. You can call me racist. You can call me sexist. You can call me gay. You can call me homophobic. You can call me transphobic. You can call me a girl. You can make fun of my man boobs. You can do anything that you want. Just don't claim that I like turtlenecks. Miranda from Knoxville called in to discuss whether or not women should sleep with men who wear turtlenecks. And this is what it sounded like. And now. I would say I can amp my boobs to look double D. It's your caller. I'm not a racist kid like you. Of. The alphabet was still heard. The week. I have no comment on any of that. Bye-bye. 
Miranda in Knoxville. Miranda, what's up? Hey, good morning, guys. How are you, Miranda? I'm excellent, thank you. So what, uh, is, what is your verdict on the turtleneck? My verdict on the turtleneck is a definite 100% no. That being said, for instance, if the most recent NFL quarterback winner of the New England Patriots showed up to my door, Mr. Tom Brady, wearing a turtleneck, I would bang him 100%. Would you have sex with Tom Brady while he was only wearing a turtleneck? I would have sex with Tom Brady only wearing a turtleneck Maybe Uggs. Just kind of depends on the season. It would depend on the season or my mood. But if he showed up at my door, my place of employment, the bathroom, and a turtleneck, it's a done deal. Now, on the side of the street, probably not. All right, so let's say Tom Brady shows up. He tells you that he likes to wear women's clothing. He wants to wear high heels and, like, a French maid's outfit and have sex with you. You still doing it? Um, what would be the line that Tom Brady – What what could Tom Brady show up wearing – that you would not sleep with him? If he showed up wearing granny panties, probably, <laughs> I would say no. I mean, if you're going to go the female route, you got to go like the sex skin route. You got to pull out the maid. You got to have the lacy thong. I still think it's weird as hell, but he probably looks better than a thong than I do, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> Tom Brady does have a great ass. All right, question yeah. for you here. The new poll question's up. Jason Martin, my producer here, just confessed that he has, he, he's confessed prior that he hasn't had sex from the age of 32 to 38. Or, but he's never eaten a steak. Which is more unacceptable behavior? Now, you know, I'm a little biased because I appreciated Jason a couple weeks ago in regards to having sex with a an, an banana, a piece of fruit. Yes. So I obviously think that's a serious issue. You know, I honestly have to go... With a steak. That being said, um, there have been a couple of relationships that I really sealed the deal with my ability to make a really good steak. And so I feel like if a female maybe hasn't prepared a good steak for you, I'm not totally surprised you haven't had sex in six years. Wow. Jason, are you going to have a steak this weekend? I don't think I'm having a steak, but I am going out with my lady friend again tonight. Wow. Another date. Indeed. Wow, this is big. Really big she's, news. Thanks to everybody. Girl. Thanks to everybody out there who's listened this week. You guys have been fantastic. You can always find me on Twitter at Clay Travis. Let me know how much you love me or hate me. I'm happy with either. This has been a lot of fun. I'm kneeling right now in honor of Colin Kaepernick and his long dead protest. Thank you to all the Outkick Nation out there. This has been Fox Sports Radio. And I didn't time it right. Oh, oh, oh. Are your wiper blades chattering, skipping, or squeaking? Don't let streaks or smearing on your windshield compromise your visibility. When it's time to replace your wiper blades, stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts and see our selection. Our professional parts people will even install your new wiper blades while you wait. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. The best athletes don't just play the game, they change it. When it comes to investing, GameBridge is doing the same. Their online platform does things differently because it's designed to put you in charge of growing your own savings. It's intuitive, it's easy, and best of all, it's on your terms. No wonder GameBridge has earned the trust of 40% repeat customers. It's a better way to invest because it's investing your way. Get started today with as little as $1,000 at GameBridge.io. 
Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. At- 